Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. We want to thank you for being a supporter of our show and welcome you to the exclusive patron-only Partial Arts Episodes from the creators of You Have Offended This Podcast. Utah, give me two. Chad Lindsay and Mike McCarran. You're awesome. And welcome to the beloved patrons for another episode of the Partial Arts series from You Have Offended This Podcast. As always, my name is Mike McCarran, and out on the East Coast holding down the homeland is Chad Lindsay. What's happening, brother? Oh, well, I've always liked you, Mike. Always have, always will. Well, that's how we get down. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're uh, rocking into a request from patron Mike Legere. What's happening, Mike? Haven't seen you in forever. Can't wait to get back. This is... Quentin Tarantino's written, directed by Tony Scott, true motherfucking romance. Yeah, this is absolutely fantastic. I remember, like, the patron that requested this, Mike, uh, I remember he had seen this film uh, before I had seen it and was just like, you need to see this. You need to see this. This is one of his favorites of all time. And uh, I really enjoyed going back and rewatching it because, honestly, I had not... As much as I love this film, I hadn't watched it in a couple of years, man. Yeah, me too. Me too. I watched it a couple of years ago and remembered being like, fuck, this is a good movie. Like, you forget when you go back and watch it again how many people are in this movie. Like, how many well-known actors are taking roles in this film that are one scene, two scenes, they're three minutes of screen time. They're five minutes of screen time, maybe yeah. not even. It's crazy how many people wanted to be a part of this film just because they knew how important of a movie it was going to be. It's funny because as I was watching it, I was really thinking because, you know, like they're saying, oh, Brad Pitt before he was famous. But I mean, you know, he did this movie, but just prior to that, he did uh, California, you yes. know, and he was coming off of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I knew who he was. Like, I knew who Brad Pitt was, but he was not the big, big... He wasn't Brad Pitt. ...megastar, you know, that he became. But it's so funny just to see even, you know, like James Gandolfini, who almost wasn't even in this film, um, in this. So just, like you said, the sheer number of people who kind of springboarded from this and became huge stars. I was thinking today, I was like, did... Did casting like, hey, let round up a bunch of people that are doing well that are going to be huge, or did this <laughs> right. movie partially springboard them to success? Because it's a cult favorite, but it was a commercial, somewhat of a commercial flop. Yeah, it, it didn't do well in the box office, and even because this one didn't do well, Quentin Tarantino was worried about the success of what he was doing at the time, which was Pulp Fiction. Right. He was kind of freaked out, like, fuck, he had, he had released Reservoir Dogs the year prior, and now this was his writing debut with Tony Scott directing. So they, they changed a little bit here and there, but I mean, it's basically a Quentin Tarantino script, and he was worried that his, you know, quote-unquote voice was not going to be sort of widely accepted because of this 
films flop. And he was like, well, fuck, I guess Pulp Fiction is just going to do kind of the same and kind of peter here and there. But, you know, people will appreciate it over time. And then Pulp Fiction became what Pulp Fiction became. Yeah. And because so, of that, I believe they actually re-released True Romance. So let's go let's go back for a second and talk about let's talk about Tarantino and his films. And there's yep. a lot of people who say that his earlier stuff is far and away his best stuff. So if we go back versus okay. some of the stuff that he's putting out today, because some of the stuff he's put out, you know, recently, like including Inglorious Bastards, have ties to this film. Um, yeah. which we'll yep. talk about, I'm sure, in due time. But I actually yep. really like his body of work, and I really do like this film. I don't know if I necessarily think that his early work was his best work, but he really stands out in this film. Like, you're you're watching something and you're seeing something that was certainly unique at the time that it was released. Yeah, yeah, it really was. And even and today. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. And, you know, the the non-linear storytelling that he's kind of known for was also in this movie but tony scott just took that out and made it linear because tony scott wanted to do it that way but that said like yeah i I don't necessarily agree that his early stuff is his best stuff i think he's maintained a voice through the arc of his career Mm. that really hasn't changed a hell of a lot i mean if you go from reservoir dogs and you take the dialogue from that and you follow that through this and then through Pulp Fiction and then, you know, whatever came after that, Jackie Brown, and then, you know, all the way up to Inglorious Bastards, The Hateful Eight, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, there's an arc of dialogue there that's pretty fucking straight, a straight line, you know? Mm. There's a lot of similarities. There's there's a lot of references that go back to different movies. You just mentioned that Inglorious Bastards is, is sort of uh, referenced a little bit. If you know what to look for within that sort of Tarantino universe. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't I don't necessarily agree that his early work is his best stuff. Well, let's get into it then, Cat. Yeah, man. This movie starts off with... Uh, uh, Christian Slater's fucking great in this movie. As Clarence, he's fucking fantastic. Like, Tarantino mentions that he sort of took the movie star sheen off of himself... And is sort of more of a, a gutter rat, minimum wage street kid kind of thing. Yeah. And it he does it really well. Like, he's a fucking underrated actor. He, and I don't know why he's not bigger than he is. He's underrated as big as he is. Yeah, the thing that's so great about this, I mean, he plays a guy that works in a comic book store. I mean, Tarantino writing this, you know, at the time was working in a video store. Um, yep. You know, nerdy, geeky, can't really connect well with people. You know, kind of loves his pop culture. Um, but yep. like you said, like he is brave enough to not try to be cool, which makes him fucking cool. If that makes sense. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, no. Yeah. He's he's so not trying to be cool. He's literally genuinely being himself, which is the coolest of the cool. Like, I, I fucking like, love it. Yeah. It's Lester Bangs and almost famous. Right. I didn't think you'd be home on Friday night. Of course I'm home. I'm uncool. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. It's fucking great. Like, just, he's, he, he says himself, Tarantino, that this is his most autobiographical movie because, like you just mentioned, Clarence works in a, in a minimum wage nerd store. That's what Tarantino did. You know, he's, he's very much a part of this. The relationship that Clarence has with his, his dad, there's uh, lines in there that are right out of Tarantino's life with his step. Right. Like, it's very much his life, and he, he said at one point in, in an interview somewhere that, 
you know, if you watch a movie or, or uh, read a book or something that you wrote, you should be kind of almost a little bit embarrassed about it because it's telling the audience more about yourself than they should really know. Yeah. And you're kind of letting them a little too close. Yeah. And we, we see that here with Clarence, man. Like, he's just, he doesn't give a fuck. He's in the bar with this with this girl, the the girl played by Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson Levine. She goes by Anna, or I should, I should say not Anna. Anna Thompson Levine. She goes by Anna Levine professionally. Who would later appear in in The Crow, which we which will we will cover soon. Enough. One hundred percent. The Crow. Yeah. She was in Bad Boys. She was in Unforgiven. Oh my God. Been around, and she's in this movie for fucking three minutes. You just reminded me of. Uh, no, thank you. I don't want a free one. But if I were to take a free one, I'd take one with you. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, that's her. She, yeah. yeah, so good, so good. But I love that how movie's fucking awesome. It is amazing. I love how he kind of attempts to pick her up. Yep. And he doesn't have any game. He doesn't put on, you know, like guys who are kind of chameleons. They're like, you know, trying to. Do whatever it takes to kind of pick yeah, up a girl the or rules in that you know, stupid book. be whatever they want to be. Neg them. Neg them. Pick on the thing they, you know, they're insecure about. Yeah, all that stupid Like all shit. that fucking horse shit. He's just himself. And she's just like, yeah, no thank you. I got to fucking, you know, peace out. I got to go be in the crow or whatever. But well, he's, um, yeah, he's like, she says, you know, you want me to, you want to take me to a kung fu movie? And he yeah. goes, no, three kung fu movies. Three kung fu movies. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. We're going to three in a fucking row, we're baby. Going like to three. <laughs> going to a sunny Chiba triple feature. Let's go. The um, he doesn't give a fuck. Like it's great. Then we cut to the city, you know, and you've yep. got like burned out cars, you've got homeless people, and of course you've got the music that doesn't quite jive with what we're seeing on the screen. You know, we've got like yes. burned out cars and the fucking score for this. Hans Zimmer did this. This is yep. like, I don't know what it is about this simple melody that is just so catching and and enveloping. But that music yeah. is amazing. Like fucking soundtrack is incredible in this film. Yeah, this this is Hans Zimmer's fucking fantastic. I love that dude. And he's he's basing the music if i'm not mistaken on uh, a different movie i believe it's um fuck i can't think of it right now i'll think of it in a minute but <clears throat> it's it's sort of referencing back to another movie but yeah it's it's oddly drawing and it pulls you into this like what the fuck am i watching right now cuz patricia arquette's voiceover monologue is really great oh my god it's incredible she, she speaking of really good in this movie holy fuck is she good in this movie Everybody's solid in this. We'll get into yeah. each one of them at a time, but yeah, you're 100%. There are right. no weak links in this movie. Every single person is the shit. Just before we get into this this next movie theater scene, this the first thing is between Alabama and Clarence. Quentin Tarantino, when he wrote the script, was thinking about Joan Cusack as Alabama and yeah. Robert Carradine as Clarence, which is fucking crazy. I can't see Joan Cusack in this, but... Uh... She'd be, she's quirky enough to do it, I think. Like, it's one of those things where, like, when you hear Heath Ledger's going to be the Joker, you're like, what the fuck, really? But then yeah. he crushes the shit out of it. Yeah. Like, like, I think Joan Cusack is that kind of person for Alabama. They're both really good. And I, I you know, I think we would have gotten a great film, just not this film. But the we'll talk about it when we get to the movie theater scene. And then, of course, you know, like the, the billboard scene. The chemistry, yep. the fucking chemistry that 
Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette have in this yeah. film is so fucking believable. Like the yeah. actors melt away and you actually legitimately believe what they're going through, which is really cool. And of course they're talking about Sonny Chiba movies and of and then later of course we get Sonny Chiba in uh in Kill Bill, so Kill it's Bill. Very cool full circle. And there's ties here again to that because the the Elvis shades that that Clarence yes. wears all the time. Those are the same shades Uma Thurman wears in Kill Bill when she steals them from Buck. From Buck and steals the pussy wagon. Same shades. Yeah. Right? Those are the exact same fucking glasses, which yeah. is crazy. It's awesome. So I, I just want to read you the list here off of people who were considered for Alabama. Drew Barrymore was their first choice after Tarantino's okay. Joan Cusack was, was ixnade. Drew Barrymore, okay, she could probably pull it. Bridget Fonda was considered Juliette Lewis, Diane Lane, Kira Sedgwick, Julia Roberts, and Uma Thurman. And Brooke Shields really wanted the role, but didn't get it. I I can't see... I like Julia Roberts. I can't really see her in it. Um, no, I can't see her in it because the pretty woman thing. Like, she's... Yeah. She's not a believable prostitute. <clears throat> no. You know what I mean? I, I As much as I love Julia Roberts, and I do. Yeah. She's just not a believable prostitute. Like, you need a girl who has that edge to her and julia roberts doesn't have it like drew barrymore has it patricia yeah. arquette has it juliette yeah. lewis has it like yeah between those three i bet you kira sedgwick in this in this era could have fucking crushed this too yeah like as a yeah. as a dark horse but probably those four would be my my final casting casting go-to's i guess but I'm, you're not going to fucking beat Patricia Arquette, dude. I wouldn't replace her. Yeah, no. No, like, there's... And it's, again, it's not just Pat- Patricia Arquette. It's how well and how believable it is, which we'll talk about. I'll bring up some points in a second. But just yeah. the way that the two of them jive together. Yep. Like, you know, Julia Roberts, I never believed she was a prostitute. They're like, what do you charge? She's like, $100 an hour. And I'm like, bingo, that's fucking cheap. Yeah, I'll take that. Julia Roberts, 100 an hour. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, shit, that's nothing. <laughs> Three hours, please. I wouldn't pay. I wouldn't pay $100 an hour for a prostitute, but I would gladly pay $100 an hour for Miss <laughs> Julia Roberts. You know, like, you can't quite separate her from the role. And, you know, not that she's a bad actress, but... You know, you you don't no, but it's quite hard to get buy her, her as you don't quite buy her as the prostitute in that film. No, no, not at all. But I do buy Patricia Arquette as a prostitute who would hang out with somebody like Drexel. Yes, like oh, yeah. I can see her in yeah, Drexel's Drexel, apartment, which we'll talk about. Oh we my, we'll get to him fuck, in a little bit. Because amazing, holy fucking Jesus. <laughs> but yeah, she's she comes in the, the theater here, the dark, smoky theater. She lights up a cigarette. She spills her fucking popcorn all over <laughs> Clarence. Yeah. <laughs> and then she starts just out and out talking to him. Then when she he, when he starts talking, she kind of falls into him a little bit and is like, oh, what's up with this? There's a, a this scene is supposed to be a, another however many seconds, another minute or so probably. There's a deleted tag on the end here where at the end of the movie, she stands up and is all loud like, yeah, fuck yeah. And like is all boisterous and shit. And the movie's theater doors open. And an usher comes in with a big dog to, like, clear the theater out. Right. And the usher is Jack Black. Jack Black. Oh, I ended up on the cutting room floor. Cutting room floor of this movie. Yeah, 100%. Fuck. Speaking of people who are big who didn't have any fucking screen time, he, he literally had zero. 
Oh, man, that's too bad. Yeah, it was cool to have him in there just to see it for a second in the deleted scenes, but they take off here and go to, to Ray's diner, and they have a cool... Tony Scott fucking loves smoke. Everything this guy does, yeah. the scene's filled with fucking fog and smoke and haze, and it's, but it works. It works. Like, when they come out of the theater, they do a couple of close-ups when she's like, hey, you want to get some pie? And he's like, what do you mean pie? And she's like, I love to get pie after a good movie. Fucking you know, pie. And they're just, like, pulled in close to both of them. And, like, yeah. like she looks really pretty, and Christian Slater is just kind of, like, smiling. Like, genuinely smiling. And, yeah. you know, I said it earlier, but he is so not trying to be cool he's basically trying to be clarence and yeah he, he just fucking kills it i really love this movie and then of course they go right into ray's diner there and you know they got the venetian blinds blowing through and they got that kind of neo-noir film look to it where they're having a conversation it's done yeah, very, so fucking good man very pumpkin and honey bunny yeah look to it of of the diner with the he puts a you know 16 pounds of sugar in his coffee because yeah He's like I used to be. <laughs> yes. But yeah, when you watch the scenes, I think when Dennis Hopper was interviewed, he was talking about his scene with Walken. But it applies to this scene and a lot of other scenes in this movie too, which is if you turn the sound off and just watch a movie scene, yes, you can tell if the actors are in the scene or not. You can tell if it's forced. You can tell. And when you watch this scene with or without the sound off, this is Clarence in Alabama. Yeah. Like, this isn't Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette. Yeah. It's Clarence and Alabama having a conversation about fucking pie and what's your favorite color and getting to know each other. Yeah. It's really, really good. Yeah. Like, this this should be used in acting classes. Yeah. Of oh. how to relate to your partner in the scene. Yeah. Because he's, yeah. he's killing it. She's killing it. They have a really good time. And, of course, then he takes her back to his place at the comic shop. Yep. Which is also really cool because, you know, like they're inside, you know, you think, oh, my God, it's so cool inside a comic book store. But, you know, this is kind of his this is kind of his domain. This is not just his house. This is his complete and total passion. Yeah. You know, he gives her a, a tour. He's showing her what he's passionate about. And it's fucking great. Like it's lit well, the neon. It's awesome. And the scene here where he takes the comic book off of the rack and is explaining to her what the storyline is about. And as he's doing that, they tighten the shot in on her. And she's going from the comic book to him, but her gaze slowly lingers longer and longer on him until she's just staring at him. Yeah. It's a really good use of that pull-in close-up. And she is amazing in drawing the attention to, like, holy fuck, she is into him right now. Yeah. And you feel that, like you said, the chemistry between them. Yeah. It leads right into the love scene that's next. And it's, you believe that these two would end up in bed this quickly based on the people that they are. Yes. And based on the couple hours that they have spent together thus far, which we've gotten little snippets here and there of. Yes. But you buy it. Like, it's not like, what the fuck? Really? They're fucking already? Like, you don't feel that. It doesn't feel rushed. That's the funny thing. Like, if it was anybody, like, if I was Clarence and this shit happened to me, 
and it was somebody who was not playing it like Patricia Arquette, it would be like, red flag, red flag. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Like, there is no goddamn way. There is no goddamn way that this girl is interested in the fucking New Mutants comic that I'm holding in my right? hand. <laughs> this bitch is gonna, here to steal my kidneys. Right? You're just like, you know. But this is actually believable in, like, I don't know, the first fucking 10, 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah, we're literally 13 minutes in here. You believe what's going on. Yeah. And they do it with, yes, there's a sex scene. Yes, they they go at it and stuff. But then they end the sex scene with the two of them back to camera, just sitting on the edge of the bed, kind of holding hands. Yeah. Like this very kind of touching older, you know, couples that have been together forever kind of moment where you're like, oh, that's nice. Like. It, it ends it on such a nice... <sighs> he does a good job at let, making you believe that these two are fucking soulmates. And yes, yeah, that's, they, yeah, exactly. They, they know it, and which leads into the next scene, which, again, you fucking buy because of the acting, where she's like, by the way, I didn't bump into you accidentally. I'm a call girl. Your boss told me where you're going to be. I was paid to yes. go have a great time with you. And Clarence... Does not give a shit. He's just like, well, no, I had a really fucking great time. And she's like, really? I, I had a fucking awesome time, too. And yeah, it, it, you you believe this conversation is real. That's yeah. I was about to say, like, you can tell because she's a call girl and she was sent to him. And then what happened happened. And now she's feeling what she's feeling. And she's freaked the fuck out about it. Yeah, because she's not. She's a call girl. Like, she's not supposed to be like, this guy's fucking dope. This guy's cool as shit. And yeah. it's fucking with her. And you feel that. Like, she's out on this billboard and she's all wrapped up in blankets and is like, what the fuck? Like, stop acting like such a cool piece of shit. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Stop I'm freaked so, out here. Fucking yeah, help me. Stop being like, so nice. Yeah. She's all bundled up. He's bundled up. Like you said, the Tony Scott fucking mist fog steam is going everywhere. But, yeah, he yep. just says, he just said, you know, I, I had the greatest time. And then she was just like, oh, my God, I love you. And then he was yeah. just like, if you say you love me and this is a trick, like, <laughs> you're trapping me. If this is a trick, <laughs> if you're trapping me, um, like you buy, like you buy this. Like, that's the thing that's so great about it. Like the performances are so good and their chemistry yeah. is so good that you completely buy that these two met and fell in love this quickly. Yeah. And she's only like she she says in this scene, she gives him the whole lowdown. I've only been a call girl for four days. I've got this pimp. His name's Drexel, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. She lays the whole thing out for him and we get all this backstory of her now. Yes. But she also says, when I'm your girlfriend, I'm your girlfriend. I'm monogamous. I don't fuck around. As she puts it, I'm 100 percent. Yeah. And she kind of wants that back from him. And he's like, yeah, fuck yeah. I'm into that. So they're sort of sorting out the initials. Of their relationship here, like what's what's going to happen, what's going on, etc. And then we end up getting the skip ahead here once they figure out, like, yeah, you cool, let's let's stay together. And the next scene is they go get married. Yeah, and it's it's kind of cool because you know, obviously, spoiler alert, like at the end of the film, yeah. where she's doing her voiceover monologue and talking yes. about how the world is slowly decaying and the world is falling yeah. apart. And she's like, well, Clarence says sometimes it goes the other way. And, yes. you know, that being a reference to their relationship, yeah. everything might be falling apart, but 
the relationship and the arc that these two are on is going the opposite way. And that's kind of yeah. like where we get, they know that they're soulmates, they get together, and then they learn about each other after the fact. Because like you said, they get married, yeah. they get fucking married right away. <laughs> <laughs> like the next day. <laughs> they literally met last night. But again, as we've said, because of the impulsivity of both of them, you buy it. They're young, they're off the chain, they're yeah. hooked, they're, they're out in the streets. They don't know where the fuck they're going or who they're doing it with. They just found each other and are like, you're cool. Oh, you're cool too. Okay, we're together now. And impulsive 20-something-year-olds, fuck, they do shit like that. Yeah, so, they go out and get tattoos. Especially shit like this. <laughs> yeah, they go get tattoos with each other's name with the little Cupid thing on it. The the guy that plays the uh, the tattoo artist is hilarious where he's just kind of looking at them. like it's He's pretty funny. Yeah. But then we move into the Drexel scene. The Jesus. first scene here with Drexel and Gary. Let's talk about Gary motherfucking Oldman for a second. Dude, yeah, he he fucking kills this movie. You would think that if you came to an actor like Gary Oldman and said, hey man, I want you to play a white dude who thinks he's a black dude who's a murderous drug dealer. How, like, how as an actor, how would you even fucking start with that? And Gary's like, well, I'm going to get some. He got the same guy that did the wigs for him on Dracula. Yeah. To make those fucking yeah. dreadlocks for him. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's got those dreads and... The scar around the eye was the his The scar around the idea. eye. Yeah. The, the, the one eye thing. Or the, not one eye, but like the, the one cloudy eye from yeah. the impact from whatever injury he had. Yeah. And, and, and Samuel Jackson's in the fucking scene too. Samuel Jackson in one scene for like two fucking minutes. Maybe two I'm going to bring in Samuel Jackson just so I can kill him. In a minute. <laughs> like, that's yeah. so wild. Again. I'm going to kill him again. Like, I think the only movie this fucking guy lives in is Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Because he, he leaves. Ordell dies and the fucking piano player and Kill Bill dies and fucking he dies all the time. I like how they just basically introduce Drexel and he fucking ices two guys cold in like a minute. And again, yeah. he looks like... Fuck, Gary Oldman's like an absolute incredible actor. And that guy's a monster. Here he is, like playing a role that, you know, if you're in television, that they just basically regulate to like a bit part. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, we'll yep. just get fucking anybody to play this guy. He's only on screen for a few minutes. Fuck this guy. No, like they went all out. They got one of the fucking greatest actors ever <laughs> to <Right>? play. <laughs> To play a role where he's going to fucking, you know, basically do essentially two scenes in the entire film. And they get one of the greatest actors of all fucking time to do it. So it's fucking crazy at at it's it's no surprise why this is such a great film, because even the smallest roles have some of the best actors playing them. Yeah, he might he might have five minutes of screen time. Like, yeah. The casting in this movie is deep as the fucking Marianas Trench. Yes, it's, dude. It's madness. And the other guy is Lawrence Mason, the guy that plays Floyd D., the guy that's with Sam Jackson. Lawrence yes. Mason was also in The Crow. He played Tintin. Yeah, Tintin. Oh, Tintin, here's to you, buddy. Yeah, right? <laughs> Fire it up. Fire it up. <laughs> so, yeah, he gets... He gets shot in the fucking chest here. This scene was actually supposed to be a fair bit longer because when Sam Jackson comes in, they start talking about pussy eating. Yeah. And there's like this big, long, drawn-out conversation about eating pussy. 
and how I don't do it and you don't do it and people shouldn't do it. And Gary Oldman like, fuck off. You, well, you know, Gary Oldman, of course you do it. Like yeah. he's doing his, yeah. his accent. He's doing his accent. Fucking mental, but I love it. This guy that he's playing is based on, uh, what's his name? Willie One Shoe or something like that. The, the guy that he worked with in Leon. Remember the white dreadlock guy in Leon from the, in the police squad? Well, I thought that they might have just taken fucking wardrobe. They're like, oh, by the way, here's my wardrobe. You can take it because, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but no, the, the, the fucking guy that he's on the cop force with in Leon that yes. kills the little boy, the reggae guy. That's who he based this character on. No, that's what so, I mean. He took the fucking... Yeah. It's almost like he took the wardrobe from that guy. I know he didn't actually. Oh, from that guy, but right. it's okay, almost sorry. like he took the wardrobe from that fucking guy <laughs> and fucking said, I'm going to use this someday for something. <laughs> I don't know what. I don't know what. <laughs> but yeah, he totally, he totally does. And shoots these two fucking guys. Boom, boom. And I can't believe how quick this scene is. Yeah, how, how quickly these two guys die. Like, it, it amps up real quick. Boom! And then he turns around, shoots Sam Jackson twice, and now they've got all the coke. Well, yeah, they've got sets all sets up the later... They've got the all the coke, plot. which is cool. But then, of course, then we learn about Drexel, right? And now you're like, yes. oh, Drexel's ain't nobody to fuck with. He's like, not playing around motherfucker. They, they yeah. did a good job at, like, kind of shooting that scene. You're like, oh, he's got to go deal with that guy. Oh, fuck. Good... Have fun storming the castle, boys. Yeah. And then, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then he's like, like, oh, fuck it's, me. It's fucking eating him that, uh, you know, like she's kind of with this guy, Drexel, and he wants to fucking close that chapter of her life, goes into the bathroom, and that's where we have Val Kilmer, one of the most famous fucking actors, again, of all of our time. goddamn generation. And he's playing Elvis, uh, and they don't show his goddamn face once. Yeah. Yeah, and again, what does he have? Three minutes? Maybe five? Yeah. Of screen time? And again, they don't even show his face. They show his face blurred in the background yeah. through a mirror. It's absolutely insane. And he he kills the shit out of this role. He kills He's got the his little Elvis voice on the there's, thing. Oh, players, a, you're doing a good job. There's like, a believability about this, right? Like... Like, oh, look, there's Elvis in a fucking gold lame jacket fucking giving him advice, <laughs> you know, like a mentor, you know, like Obi-Wan, uh, you know, after Obi-Wan died, he fucking kept talking to Luke and shit. Like, yeah. you know, he shows up and, and starts fucking dropping knowledge, which is incredible. And that's what he's listed as in the credits is, quote unquote, the mentor, because yeah. they didn't want to get sued by the Elvis Presley estate for using Elvis. But. It ended up being okay later on because Quentin met Lisa Marie Presley, blah, blah, blah. But I'll, I'll tell you, man, in the wrong hands, director-wise or cinematography-wise or actor-wise, any combination of those three, this could have been a fucking disaster. It, might, it would be yeah. laughably stupid. Yeah, you know, I, to have a fucking gold lame Elvis strolling around behind you and yeah. talking to you in your dreams. Like, fuck off. Oh, by the way. <laughs> this shit works, man. <laughs> you need to go kill Drexel right now. All right, thanks, right Tiny now. Elvis. And then he fucks up. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Dice, Andrew Dice Clay as Elvis. Oh, that that this was a mistake. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go kill Drexler. My hair. Go oh, my hair. That, that white <laughs> guy hair. with dreads. Yeah, go kill that man. Oh, fucking <laughs> Jack and Jill. What up the hill? They head in, of course. Um, <laughs> but when Slate, when he tells him that, and Slater looks in the mirror. Yeah. And gets that look of conviction, and then 
you get that putting the gun in the sock shot. Yeah. And he kind of gives himself that Tim Roth, you know, you're a bad motherfucker look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, Bama, I got to, you know, I need you to write down your address for me. And he wants to go over and get, he, he tells her he's going to go over and get her stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she's like, fuck, I don't know if you should do that. And we, at, at, as the audience, seeing what we just saw, are like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You got yeah. one little bullshit ankle gun and this motherfucker's yeah. probably stacked? Yeah. Are you out of your mind? Like, <laughs> We're now terrified for Clarence. Yeah, he just, like, shot a guy who was just sitting on a bed eating mushu bork. And fucking right? <laughs> you know, took him smooth the fuck out. But yeah, he just fucking drives right over to his drives right over to his house, just like fuck. Yeah, I'm just here. Yeah, it's you feel for Clarence. I mean, the balls on Clarence, as Bill Hicks once said, he got to carry that shit in a wheelbarrow because yeah. he doesn't care. I'm just going to go talk to this pimp, crazy psycho, drug dealer, murderer guy and get my girlfriend stuff and tell him to fuck off, and she's not working for him anymore. Like, oh, yeah, go see how that goes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> see how that usually works out for people. Yeah. Good luck with but, yeah. all that. Good luck with all that. Yeah, he drives his nice, you know, purple Cadillac over there. Purple Cadillac, by the way, was given to Patricia Arquette at the film wrap as a gift. Really? She got that purple Cadillac uh, for doing this film and as part of part of the rap thing. So and Val Kilmer got to keep that gold lemonade jacket. <laughs> wow! Everyone, everyone got something to each their own. Yeah, but I love how I love how he's wearing the Elvis glasses after his conversation with Elvis. Right? You know, Elvis fucking <laughs> yeah. tells him to go do this shit, so he puts on his goddamn Elvis glasses and shows up at the uh, at the place, which and is pretty fucking cool. The bodyguard opens the door, and Clarence goes. You Drexel? And the big guy goes, nah, man, I'm Marty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, What's this about? It's about Alabama. And he takes him up and fucking Drexel's upstairs finishing off that mushu pork with the chopsticks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that he took. And when you first see Drexel in the, the previous scene, mm. it's you get that like, who is this fucking clown shoe asshole? Yeah. With the teeth around his neck and this fucked up hat and the dreads and the white guy with this thing and then he kills those guys and you're like oh fuck me okay this guy's a crazy asshole so now when you get him in this scene and slater comes up and he's eating and he's got the accent and he's talking to him and he's got that gary oldman stare when he kind of looks up through his eyebrows Mm. it's you're off of that who's this clown shoe motherfucker vibe and you're on to i'm really scared for clarence right now <laughs> you are and you know he's also I mean? doing that thing he's like going yeah you've been in here i ask you to sit down you don't sit down you're all business there's a tv screen with a big set of titties on it you ain't even looked at those once you just looking at me like yep. you know like he's swinging doing that, the light at him swinging the light and doing the breakdown like he's he knows that christian slater's <laughs> there for like a bad a motherfucker specific reason right he knows like this guy is here to fucking fuck some shit up for you know or for whatever reason but he picks up on that right away yep oh yeah you can tell that as as goofy as a motherfucker as he is he's a people person he's a people expert he knows yeah. people and he's been in the game long enough he knows people he manipulates people he rips people off you know like he's yeah he and he knows the signs skill. of this guy's here and he's a joke or this guy's here and he's not fucking around. Yeah. And he's got that, this guy's not fucking around, so I'm not going to play with this asshole. Yeah. 
You know, because when shit goes off, holy fuck. <laughs> well, I like how Clarence puts the envelope down and goes, this is the amount of money that I'm going to give you for Alabama, not a penny more. <laughs> and then yep. he fucking opens it up and it's empty and you're just like, oh, the balls, Clarence. Yeah. <laughs> the fucking balls, boy. <laughs> he just laid his cock on the table like, here you go. Yeah. Start <laughs> sucking, dickbag. Yeah, I'm going to put this in the George Foreskin grill right now. <laughs> right on the table for your likings. <laughs> Yeah, it's I I again, he shows the envelope and you're scared for Clarence because yeah. he's not backing down like he's got that little nervous laugh but then Drexel is laughing like this motherfucker this, right here like yeah. <laughs> And I think it was perfect how they put that scene of him with the shotgun in the previous scene just to make let you know that he's not a clown. He's not a joke. He's might be a fucking douchebag but he's fucking like the wu-tang clang nothing to fuck with right right so. yeah but then he picks up his tray hey we can do that and then he throws that tray at him and samo hung flying tackles this fucking guy yeah and just beats the living piss out of him double punches him he's just punching his face out straddling over top of clarence but you see here a you know again this confidence of clarence the determination he's not giving up he Backheads, whatever that guy's name is, I just said the the bodyguard. Yeah, the girls start freaking out. Fucking Drexel flies at him again, and Clarence chucks him into the fish tank. Huge fight here. This is an insane fight. Oh yeah, um, him the bodyguard and, uh, holds him up, and Drexel beats the piss out of him. Yeah, that guy from Coming to America there with Eddie Murphy and Arsenio yes. Hall. Yeah, yeah, they just start straight kicking the shit out of him, and then Drexel yeah. starts dragging him in the back, and you're like, oh fuck, Clarence is fucking ded man. He's did you <laughs> indeed yeah the, the with the quickness that we saw drexel kill those other two guys you're like well what you know jesus christ man we're 30 minutes into this movie and i is is alabama alone now what the fuck like how's he getting out of this shit and then of course drexel like straight kicks the shit out of him takes his wallet out of his pocket takes out his driver's license so it's like okay well here's his address here's his name alabama's probably at this address right now Go fucking get her and bring her ass over here. Like, yep. you know, he bring he her has, ass back here. He has completely bested Clarence at this point. Like, well, he's completely. he's literally straddling him and hump fucking him. Yeah, at, just to rub it in, right? Yeah, and you know, you feel for Clarence here. Like, oh god damn it! Like, he not only got his ass kicked, he's now getting humiliated and got his ass kicked. Yeah, straight up. But as is the nature of this movie, when Drexel stands up, <sighs> Clarence takes that gun out and shoots him squaw in the cock. Yeah, he shoots him right in the fucking dick. I think Clarence, <laughs> like, realized that he was fucking bested, so I think he played possum for a moment, just trying to wait for yes. his wait for his he moment. He waited for his opportunity, yeah. And then he fucking shoots Drexel, shoots the bodyguard, starts screaming at all the hookers, like, Get Alabama stuff and pack it in a bag. Bitch, you want to die? Fuck you. Get her fucking stuff. Pack it in the bag and go. <laughs> and then he shoots Drexel a couple more times in the head. Yeah, I love these close-ups, man. It's really good. It's a really great scene. Yeah. And then he goes back to Alabama, and he's all fucked up, and plops down and goes, <sighs> I killed him. Yeah. And she's like, is this a joke? He's like, no. And as he's shoving a burger in his mouth. Yeah. Nope. Not a joke. This is the goddamn best hamburger I ever had, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Eat something. It's fucking great. He's just amped like he's adrenaline dumped. Yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> and then he gets pissed at her because she's crying. And he's like, what the fuck are you crying for? Like, I, he's not worth any of you What the fuck is wrong with you? And then, of course, she's like, this is the nicest thing anybody's ever done for me. Yeah, she's like, some stupid this shit. is so romantic. <laughs> you murdered a guy in the face for me. Yeah, like, honestly, if Clarence had just, like, been able to let the fact go that she was a call girl like we wouldn't have a movie but you know yes uh, yeah fair then he she goes to open the suitcase and it's not her stuff it is not fucking chock full of cocaine straight up uncut cocaine thus begins sort of the next plot of the movie all the cocaine and now we get the introduction of course of dennis hopper's dad character here he was so good in this. He's fucking fantastic. Security guard. You can hear Burl Ives here singing Itty Bitty Tear. Yeah. Like, as the music cue. The, as a cute little, good little note here, that was the only music cue that Quentin Tarantino made that was actually left in the movie that Tony really? Scott left. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino wanted Burl Ives' Itty Bitty Tear in that scene for this for this little set. And uh, he had a bunch of other ones, obviously, for the script, but Tony Scott changed all those to what he wanted, but that's one that he left. Yeah, Dennis Hopper pulls up here to his place, and he pulls up with the dog, and obviously Clarence and Alabama are there, and they go inside, and they talk about, you know, the wedding and the honeymoon and blah, 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 and we got all the stuff, and they give him the lowdown, and, and just kind of talk to him here. It's a, this And fuck, man, Dennis Hopper's awesome. Dennis Hopper, I can't think of anything that Dennis Hopper didn't make better like i can't think of a film yeah or an appearance like even when he was on goddamn saturday night live in the 80s yeah (laughs) like hopper kills it he's and he's so good here at kind of like the kind of as that um distant relationship dad where you know he kind of has a relationship with clarence they're not super super close but he's being kind and polite because alabama's there it's uh it's pretty cool he's one of those actors, and I just thought of this right now, but he's very much like Walken in that he's fucking weird and offbeat, and he brings this air, this, this air of unpredictability to every role that he's in, where when you watch him on screen, you kind of feel like you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's why you can't take your eyes off, because you, know, yeah. you know something could happen. And you don't want to miss it. Like, that's the yeah, thing that's so amazing Yeah, it's the guy it. in the white suit in the ninja fight in the backyard of the Simpsons, yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, that little guy in the white suit <laughs> hasn't hit anybody something. yet. He's do something. <laughs> yeah, and you can't take your eyes off the fucking guy, which is why that scene with him and walking is so goddamn fantastic. Jesus. Which we'll get to in a couple of minutes here. Yeah. But, but we have a great scene here with Clarence sends Alabama out, and you get Clarence and Dennis Hopper here talking about her and talking about life and there's a really great dynamic and this is another scene where tarantino had mentioned that this relationship is very much like his with his stepdad and the speech that he gives clarence gives on the dock when they go for the little walk here is uh very autobiographical to him so it's i don't know man it's i i really dig it the the way that they play the relationship up like you can you can tell that it's strained but yes yeah. Again, it's really fucking believable. Like you really, really believe that this is a like a 
a real relationship. Like the dialogue and the performances don't look crazy. So when they have their conversation no. where he's like, I want you to help me out. And he's like, yeah, I haven't talked to you in three years. And now you just show up and you want my help. And like, you know, like, yeah, that type of scenario. I, yeah. You know, any finally acquiesces and says he'll help him. Yeah. But you're right. Like as strained and fucked as the relationship is, you can tell they give a shit about each other. Yeah, and he's kind of like, he's like, everybody was talking about you and you drinking and this and that, and everybody turned their back on you. He's like, but I never did. Like, I never did. Like, I always accepted you for who you are. So he kind of implies, like, you should accept me for who I am. Yeah, exactly. So Alabama comes up here, and they drive off, and then we get the cut in our first shot here of Rappaport. Oh, my Jesus. Michael Rappaport, and this is, like... (laughs) fucking incredible michael rapaport in this movie as dick (laughs) ritchie his his the first scene here we get him the audition where he's trying to get the audition for tj hooker and they're like you're reading for this person and he's miming driving and he goes where the fuck did he come from (laughs) yeah like i fucking like it's so fucking funny i remembered i remembered like the first time I saw it and and thinking that Rappaport was like fucking incredible because A, <laughs> it's common knowledge that in TJ Hooker, TJ Hooker always jumped on the hood of the car, right? Yes. Always jumped on the hood of the car. <laughs> yep. And and when he's reading his line and like you said, he's got his hands up on a fake steering wheel in the audition like he's driving. <laughs> and he just goes, Where the fuck did he come from? <laughs> And then he says something like, get him. And he does that fucking yeah. point. <laughs> but he doesn't. He, he says, where the fuck did he come from? <laughs> and then he looks down at the script and yeah. then looks up again and goes, get him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he couldn't remember. Get him. He couldn't remember. Get him. <laughs> Holy fuck, dude. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Looks down at the script. Get him. Get him. That, <laughs> like, that was fucking perfect. Like, that, that whole was... that whole reading is perfect. <laughs> and the casting agent, like, she doesn't seem like she gives a fuck, right? And no. she's just like, oh, yeah, you're a wonderful actor. Thank you. And he's all amped <laughs> up, which makes it even funnier later when he actually gets the part. Like, they call yes, him. And they right. gave him a call <laughs> without a callback. Didn't even like, get a callback. Yeah. Where the fuck did he come from? <laughs> Get him. Oh, my God. It's fucking hysterical, dude. So they, that ends. That Seriously, that first scene with Rappaport is, what is it, two minutes? Maybe? Oh, it's not even two minutes. Maybe one. And they crush it out of the ballpark, man. Like, it's immediately, like, who the fuck is this guy? I want more of this guy. <laughs> like, Oh, I know. And that's, like, the thing, like, for... I don't know how many years afterwards I used to say shit like, where the fuck did he come from? <laughs> yeah. And then I wait, him. I'd wait a few seconds and say, get him. Very few people actually got that, but you know. Yeah. Well, that's the story of our life. The, the yeah, Mike and Chad right. story. That's why we're doing this show. There's got to right? be others. Yeah. <laughs> there's got to be others like us out there. Come and go to our, well, you guys already go to our this. Patreon, so don't worry about it. You guys yeah. are awesome. But yeah, we get a cut back here now to Dennis Hopper and Clarence. And this is where, like you mentioned, the father agrees to help them. Yeah. And when they have their little reconciliation here and they give each other a hug, you really feel that. Like, they both have their eyes closed when they're hugging each other. Like, they know they haven't seen each other in a long time. They know they're not going to see each other again for a long time. Spoiler alert coming up. And you feel that. 
You know, they're tremendous here. They're really, really good. I like how he's fucking cold. He's in a trailer. There's fucking train tracks going on. Like, it's not a luxurious or glamorous job that he's got. We know he used to be a cop. He's literally in a trailer down by the river. He's in a trailer down by the river. uh, Offering security. So now because they have the cocaine, Clarence calls Dick Ritchie here, the actor, his buddy out in California, and wants to go out. Dick is on the toilet, and Alabama's getting changed on the side of the highway here, and Clarence is calling him from a phone booth, and they end up fucking in the phone booth. Yeah, well, you know. On the phone. That's why. You know. Again, good scene. Like, that passion is believable, between that chemistry yeah. between them, that new couple energy of, like, we need to fuck right now. Yeah, we're doing this now. They're both we're wearing, doing this right now. They're both wearing that fucking sort of teal, ocean blue uh, colors yep. on there, which I thought was pretty cool. But, yeah, they, uh, yeah, they, get, they, they get busy in the uh, foam booth. Her glasses are cool as fuck in this scene, speaking yeah. of teal green. Because he's got the Elvis shades and she's got those cool-ass teal green shades or blue or whatever the fuck they are. Yeah. Very cool. So, yeah, they end up finishing off in the thing in the uh, phone booth here. And after this scene, we get what could be considered the pinnacle scene of the movie, I think. Well. Because, not the pinnacle scene of the movie, but, like, certainly one of the set piece centerpieces I, I do think of it's the movie. The, I, I do think it's the greatest scene. Oh, it's 100% the greatest scene, yes. I, we'll talk about it in a second, but the way that the the way that the way dynamic of power shifts back and forth in this is incredible. Yeah. yeah. The, the exterior shot here when Hopper pulls up in front of the trailer is Detroit. And as soon as he opens the door and walks inside, you're on a soundstage in L.A. Okay, right on. And... They walk in, and the gun comes out, and boom, punch to Hopper's face. And now he's in a chair with walking in front of him. Well, I will say that I figured that once they go inside, it was a set. Because uh, during this scene, the lighting is fucking incredible. Like, yeah, they, they control the lighting, so it's like shooting down on both Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper. And it is so goddamn good. It's really good. Yeah. Apparently, Walken was set up to go first in this scene because they're doing they do the single shots first and the two shots and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Walken didn't want to go first, so they went to Hopper and were like, "Hey, man, Tony Scott said Walken doesn't want to go first. Are you okay with going first? And when Hopper walked into the set, he was like, "He, I, he said I saw it all set up for Chris," and he was like. When Tony Scott came over and asked me if I wanted to go first, I was like, well, listen, as an actor, I'm fine with going first. But as a director, you got two and a half hours of changing the lighting around to set it up yeah. for me now. Are you okay yeah. with it? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they now, he was like, yeah, whatever. I don't give a fuck. So they took the two and a half hours, switched the whole fucking lighting rig around. Really? And did Hopper first. Yeah. But the lighting's fucking unbelievable. This it whole really scene is, is unbelievable. Yeah. This is, again... This is one of those scenes like Al Pacino and Robert De Niro in Heat at the yeah. diner. This like, is commiserate with that when, level of, holy Walken's, fuck, this is cool. When Walken's like, I work for this guy and this guy, just, you know, just in case you're wondering, you know, how much shit am I fucking in? Like, <laughs> <laughs> who are you? I'm the Antichrist. Yeah. You have me in a vendetta kind of mood. Yeah. 
He's so great. His slick back hair, his fucking yeah. scarf that he has around his neck, the way he's... The, that walk and stare that he has, that King of New York yeah. kind of stare. And then as soon as he tells his first lie, right? As soon as he tells yep. his first lie, Walken knows it and just fucking hauls off and fucking fires a punch right on his nose. And then he's just like, <laughs> ah, nose, a lot of pain. Yeah. You know? Hate that. That feels good. Your head explodes. Your eyes all watery. <laughs> yeah. Tells him all about it. Yeah. The back and forth here is great. And how menacing Gandolfini is in the background. Oh, yeah. James Gandolfini, of course, has got... Virgil standing like, in the background there. Yeah. In this scene, Gandolfini is just there, not saying a line. He's just fucking there. That's the type of uh, film this is. But Smiling like a psychopath. Yeah, he is, he is amazing. And then, of course, I love how it starts out Walken is like, hey, tell me, tell me the truth. And he keeps lying. And Walken knows he's lying and then gives this whole speech about the different pantomimes and how yeah. Sicilians are expert liars and he can always detect a liar no matter 17 what. 17 different tells that men have. Women, women have, 20. have 20. Men have 17. Women have 17. <laughs> like, it is awesome. And he basically just lies and he's like, yeah, he didn't tell me where he went, where he was going, and I never thought to ask. He's yeah, just like, I gave him five hundred dollars, and yeah. they left. I don't know where they went. I haven't seen him in three years. He came back to me, saw him yesterday, gave him five hundred bucks, and he fucked off. But Walken's like that dirty little whore found out yeah. where that coke was. Like he's, yeah, <laughs> his your movement, son, your son, oh. and that whore <laughs> took off. <laughs> that whore with my product, <laughs> and you're gonna help me get it back. And as it goes, like, the camera just gets <laughs> tighter and tighter on Hopper, which is so good. And tighter on Walken, too. Like, oh, yeah. the more Your son, the more fuckhead that he is. Yeah, that's right. That's what it was. <laughs> Your son, fuckhead as he is. Like, oh, I'll tell you, man, for a tight space, Hopper is pretty much nailed to the chair. Yeah. But Walken sits down. He leans forward. He leans back. He stands up in front of the chair. He walks behind the chair. He's fucking with his scarf. He, like, the movement that he uses in the small space that he has, it's, it really keeps your eyes on him, and it, it adds a dynamic to the scene that wouldn't be there if the two guys just sat there and talked. Yeah. And, of course, they've got the... Well, they, they've got the harsh light coming right down on Hopper's head in the scene, right? So his eyes are yeah. fucking blackened out. And then, of course, you've got Walken, who's standing up, because so, he's obviously in the position of power in this particular yep. dynamic at this point, right? At this point where he's lying to him. He's like, I don't know. I don't know where they went and all this stuff. And Walken's standing up. And then when Walken moves in and sits down, so now they're eye to eye. And he, yep. you know, talks about, you know, the pantomimes and all this different thing. Now they're on the same level. And he basically says, if you fucking lie, I'm going to pick up on it. And that's when Hopper just changes his whole fucking attitude. And he's like, could I have one of those Chesterfields? Right. One of those Chesterfields. And, yeah. and, <laughs> and now 
because I've seen it so many times, when he says that line, can I have one of those Chesterfields? You know that he is about to fuck it. He, he realizes that he's not getting out of this at all. He's going to die. No. So but he's going to go out his way, and he's going to now say something that will absolutely fucking infuriate Walken. And you see the, dyna- the, the change in dynamic in the camera placement, too. Because yes. when Walken's in power, Hopper is shot from the top looking down, as if you're Walken looking at him. Yes. And Walken is shot from the bottom looking, looking up, up, as though he's yeah. above you. But as soon as he lies and Gandolfini cuts his hand and pours the, the booze on it mm. and gives him that, and then Walken comes around and sits down and gives him the lie speech, all yeah. of a sudden Hopper is shot from sort of under Walken's right shoulder, so he's now got an undershot coming up to him. Yes, and Walken's shot kind of straight on eye level. Yes. So there is that camera placement dynamic change as well of like, yeah. oh, wait a minute now. Something shifted. Yeah. And he asks for the Chesterfield and you realize, oh, fuck. He's just going to, th- he's throwing the game here now. Like he's, he's given yeah. up and he's not going to give these fucking guys anything. When he's having that conversation and he's talking about the Moors. Sicilians and, and the Moors. Sicilians <laughs> and the Moors. And there are fucking moments where Walken is, like, looking around to the other guys and kind of laughing, like, is this motherfucker actually, (laughs) is he actually fucking saying this to me? Yeah. And he's got that, can you believe this motherfucker right here in front of me? it's (laughs) It's some of the best acting, right? Because he's, like, going... Yeah, and that's what happened. Blonde hair, blue eyes, and then this comes in. I'm not going to say exactly what he says, but he's... Well, no, but... He's talking about how the Moors came in, had sex with all the women, and when he's sitting there, so, so uh, you know, this happened. Your great-great-great-great-grandmother <laughs> did this, and now, you know, you... Because you... Your part, eggplant. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. You're a cantaloupe. <laughs> a part eggplant. Yeah. And, <laughs> and when, when he first yeah go ahead i was just gonna say uh hopper is fucking incredible and walken's reaction to what he's saying is is just as good if not better yeah because it's so amazing it's so incredible when he starts off and gives the first little sicilians blah 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 and you see Walken's face go from stone cold to this, just the, the corners of his mouth pull back into a smile, but he doesn't want to smile. He doesn't yeah. want to let Hopper know that <laughs> he finds this funny, like, what in the fuck? Yeah. And he kind of smiles a little bit, pulls back, but then Hopper just sort of drops that initial bomb on him. Yeah. And there's silence, and Walken's smiling a little bit, but then he kind of just goes, come again? Yeah. And he's trying not to laugh. And then uh, Hopper goes into the big spiel 
And holy fuck, when he's looking, like you said, he's looking back at his henchmen uh, yeah. walking. And uh, <laughs> when he says, you're, you're, you're an eggplant or something, like, the, the hey, you're an eggplant. You're a cantaloupe. You're yeah. a cantaloupe. Those were those were the only two ad libbed lines Man. in the whole in that whole uh, scene. That whole scene was line for line for line out of Tarantino's script, except for "You're part eggplant and you're a cantaloupe." That that is, was it. That is insane. Like the laughing is the fucking laughing hysterical. is like you're just like they're laughing, but you know something's wrong. Like as the person watching it, you're just like, this is not going to end well. Like I know that no. he's laughing, but this is not going to end well. And then the fucking laughter stops and he just starts fucking pumping bullets. And he's like, <laughs> I haven't, he's like, I haven't killed anybody. Boom. Since 1984. Boom. Well, like and when tell. he stands, like when he says you're a cantaloupe <laughs> and they're laughing and looking around at each other. And when Walken stands up and is like, you, <laughs> you, and he grabs him by the head and kisses him like, yeah, yeah. you fuck. Uh, yeah. And then he turns around and takes the gun from his henchman. But then even as he's taking the gun, he turns around and smiles at Hopper like, ah, you fuck. And then boom. Yeah. Right in the fucking head. Right in the fucking head. And then he fucking spits on him. Like, he oh, fucking- yeah. He shoots him like six times. Yeah, but that the those two actors like fuck man, they're just yeah. amazing, just amazing. Speaking scene, of the way they put that scenes together. that should be taught in acting school, yeah, this is one. Holy shit balls, dude! They, they were apparently Tony Scott said to Dennis Hopper, "We're gonna put the gun like right up against your forehead and shoot." Oh but my god! Yeah, I heard this. Yeah, they said, don't worry about it. Like he said, the, the, the blanks are super low charge. There's nothing going to come out the end. And Hopper was like, um, not really, you know, super comfortable with that at all. Yeah. And Tony Scott was like, look, man, it's totally safe. Look, I'll do it to myself. And he turned the gun around and shot himself in the fucking forehead yeah. with the gun and immediately fell to the floor and blood was pouring out of his fucking forehead. Yeah. <laughs> because the gun was loaded with a blank and he shot himself in the fucking head with a blank. <laughs> Well, I heard that the mechanism in the fucking gun at the very point of the barrel would launch forward like a yes, centimeter. Yeah, that's yeah. The the gun barrel actually. Yeah, moved, the gun yeah. barrel actually launched forwards like like a fucking centimeter. So imagine yeah. putting that into your head, and it's just Arr! like boom, and he's just like oh fuck. Which is why they cut the scene as they did. So holy fuck, yeah, that's a tremendous scene. Dude, can you imagine being on a movie set and the director goes, no, look, where it doesn't fucking work. And she like actually shoots himself in the head and drops in front of you. Like, can you fucking imagine? Like after that, like, you know, like, wow, that's some of the greatest acting I've ever seen. I'm going to shoot myself in the fucking head now because nothing, nothing will ever be as good. Boom. That's, yeah, that's nuts. So Clarence and Alabama then hop in the car where they roll out. And they're in California now, and they roll up to uh, Dick. Uh, what the fuck is? They his go name? to the hotel. To D- Dick Ritchie. They go to Dick yeah, Ritchie's Dick house, Ritchie right? Says. Yeah. So they go to Dick Ritchie's house. Uh, I shouldn't say house. Well, I guess it's an apartment house, whatever. Yeah. And they're hey, it's Clarence is here. That's awesome. We get our very first little peek at Brad Pitt. Yeah. In a role that he crushes the fuck out of. <sighs> Brad Pitt is is it Lloyd or Floyd? Like, he's got such little screen time. Brad Pitt, I believe, is Floyd. Actually, I don't believe it's Floyd. His name is Floyd in the movie, yeah. He plays Floyd. Okay. But, yeah, he's got, again, this entire movie, he might be three minutes. 
He fucking crushes it. Oh my god, dude. Him and Rappaport apparently really, really hit it off well. Really? And a lot of the, they were just kind of jamming back and forth with Floyd being the annoying do-nothing fuck-off roommate who doesn't help and Rappaport being the aspiring actor. And they were just fucking with each other and raffing back and forth. And Rappaport got Floyd into the movie more than he even was going to be because he kept ad-libbing Floyd's name into the dialogue. Really? Yeah, apparently he was just fucking Floyd doesn't do shit and blah, blah, blah. Like, he talks about Floyd a bunch. And that got Brad Pitt's... And Brad Pitt also being fucking Brad Pitt being awesome. Yeah. They were like, we need to get this guy more time because holy shit. You know, he, he was asked to be in this movie and... He was coming off, like you said earlier, he's coming off of California. I think he had done maybe Cool World at this point. Yeah, he would have done Cool World, like Thelma and Louise. He would have done Thelma and Louise because that was his first one. So he's, you know, still kind of a coming up kind of guy. Mm. But Jesus Christ, dude, like when he was asked to be in, he was initially given a slightly larger role. I forget which one. But he was kind of like, nah, you know, I'm going to, I kind of like this kind of guy here. I like Floyd. (laughs) <laughs> I like Floyd. He's fucking great. And Brad Pitt's idea was to make him a stoner. Yeah. Because he was like, you know, well, if he's in the apartment all the time, just make him a fucking stoner. Can I lay on the couch the whole time? Just let me lay on the couch. Just be on the couch the whole fucking time. That's fucking great. Oh, it's awesome. Like, he's so, so good. But they get the uh, the drive here with oh, just, Clarence in Alabama. I just, I just remember, like, it, it, it's coming up, but I remember Legere. Like used to like somebody with something that happened. Somebody would walk away that they had a little argument with, and Lejeune yeah. used to always oh, yeah. just go, <laughs> "Fucking condescend me!" Like, like I'll fucking would, kill you, man. He used to say that shit all the time. <laughs> fucking condescend me. <laughs> it's so funny. That's his best line in the movie. Yeah, by far. But the rest of his, like, even when he's just laying there, kind of bleakly smiling at everybody as they yeah. kind of pass by his life in front of him in yeah. a haze. Yeah. <laughs> well, even when the, when the fucking Italian mob comes busting through the door and he just starts laughing, you know, at, at our last scene with Floyd. It's so yep. good. Yeah, we'll get to that because that's, that's a fucking incredible scene. So we're in the hotel here now and we get Rappaport's big scene, Dick Ritchie's big scene where he's checking out the cocaine. He's like, holy shit. This is like real uncut cocaine. Like, holy fuck. Mm. You have a lot of fucking cocaine here, man. Like, what are you doing? A plethora of cocaine. A plethora. And then we get uh, Bronson Pinchot. And then we get Bronson Pinchot. Jesus Christ. Speaking of underrated actors. Yeah. Like, I mean, Bronson Pinchot obviously had Perfect Strangers as the TV show, which would have made his bones. But, like, you look at him in Beverly Hills Cop. He's fucking awesome yeah yeah you look at him in this he's fucking awesome like i don't know if somebody else came along in hollywood that kind of filled the role that he would have fulfilled and did it better like i'm trying to think of who would have come along around this time as kind of a an outsider weirdo that would have filled the roles that bronson pinchot would have been up for yeah it's it's funny because Again, it just kind of comes down to, like, not being afraid to play the role of Elliot, right? Like, yeah. he's a wannabe, weakling, douchebag. He really wants things, but he isn't strong enough to go out and get them. So he kind of, like, mooches off these people. He just tries so hard to be cool, and he's not cool. He's the opposite of Clarence, really. 
where Clarence Yeah, he's is, trying to be everything that he's not. Yeah, he's where where Clarence just is who he is and Elliot is just like trying so hard to be something that he isn't. And it shows so it it shows right away on this roller coaster. Yeah. Clarence is digging right? it. Clarence is digging it. Um we need to talk about Rappaport though. Yeah, we got to talk. Coaster. Yeah, the roller coaster <laughs> really is about Rappaport. <laughs> he apparently hates roller coasters and the first they did this on two consecutive or two two days i don't know if it's two consecutive days but when you see him there are two different michael rapapores in this scene because yeah. when you see him he's either apprehensive and kind of terrified or he's smiling jovial happy go lucky and if he's apprehensive terrified that was day 1 because they showed up they made him ride the roller coaster once they did it, okay, we're just going to do it one more time, Mike. He did it again. He threw up everywhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they made him do it again. He threw up twice. All the crew was laughing at him. He fucking hated it. And you can see that on his face. Yeah. The other cuts of the scene where you look at him and he's smiling and kind of jokingly looking at Patricia Arquette and stuff was the callback day where they had to ride it again. And they gave him a bunch of drugs to calm him down, and he's yeah. high as fuck. He's yeah, they, high as giraffe pussy. They and gave you him loons. They gave him when he's smiling, he's joking around, he doesn't give a shit. It's it's hilarious to watch Rappaport in the background. Yeah. It's really hard to not watch Bronson Pinchot, though. Yeah, because he's really terrified, which is, you know, it's it's a cool scene. It does what it accomplishes. What it needs to do is basically let you know who Elliot is as a character. And he's terrified and crying <laughs> when he's crying at the end of the roller coaster. It's so, <laughs> it's so funny to see Elliot cry. And then he's standing there with vomit on his fucking sweater tied yeah. over his shoulder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fucking guy. Oh, my God. It's so funny. So, and yeah, they end up talking about the cocaine here and, you know, who do you know that can move this cocaine? And they're trying to get, basically, they're trying to get access to somebody who can move this cocaine. Yeah. Which is going to be Elliot's boss, uh, Lee Donowitz. Yeah. Which is this big movie producer. Now, speaking of the Tarantino universe, and I, th- I assume this is what you were referring to, is the character of Lee Donowitz, played by Saul Rubinick here, within the Tarantino universe, Lee Donowitz is supposedly the grandson um, Donnie, of the Bear Donnie, Jew. Donnie, Sergeant Donnie Donowitz, the, the Bear, Bear Jew. Jew. Yes. Yeah. In, uh, from Inglorious Bastards. Bastards. Yeah. So that's how these two tie together. Which is cool. Which is fucking cool when you think, you, like, that's the same last name. And then you check in on what Tarantino says about it. And yeah, they're actually related as far as it goes. It's Which is fucking cool, man. Like, yeah. I love I mean, how like, he ties shit together. We could do an episode just on his tie-ins. Like, like, yeah, it's my new book, Skagnetti on Skagnetti. It's like, who's your parole officer? <laughs> Seymour Skagnetti. And you got Skagnetti. Vincent Fuck. Vega and Vic Vega. And anyway, like, anyway, it's cool. And there's even lines that, that, that are used in different places. Like, there's a deleted scene with Walken and the gangsters in an elevator. Oh, really? Where they're trying to figure out who has the cocaine, what's happened, What's going on? They're trying to figure out who took the coke and why, right? And Christopher Walken actually says the line, somebody's sticking a red hot poker up my ass, and I want to know whose name is on the handle. <laughs> Which is the exact really? same line that Bushimi says in Reservoir in Dogs. In Reservoir Dogs. Right? That's the exact same line. Fucked. 
And there's another deleted scene in this movie where I forget who says it, but somebody says, you know, it's a, from a diddle I Joe to a damned if I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Drexel same line that the cop. It. Drexel says it, and it's the same line that the cop uses with Tim Roth during the rooftop scene when in, he's rehearsing uh, his, his yeah. lie. That right? lie in, was the. In Reservoir Dogs. That lie was one of my favorite parts in that movie. When he's fucking in the, the bathroom. The story? Yeah. Buddy, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Yeah, I used that for an audition in university. That's cool. And it was fucking fantastic. Like, that see that that monologue is fantastic. That's another mm. one we should... Fuck. There's so many goddamn movies we need to do. Well, yes. We'll never run out. But anyway, we get, we get uh, Lee Donowitz here on the phone with Clarence, and they're trying to arrange something with respect to the cocaine and how do we get rid of it and how do we meet you and what's going on and they sort all that shit out and then they put Elliot back on the phone and <laughs> Elliot says you you want me to suck his dick oh yeah oh, yeah who the fuck is dick like yeah. no and, and Dickie's like me it's me he's talking about me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway so they want to he wants Clarence to bring a sample bag to Lee Donowitz so that they can do the deal and now we cut and we get the next scene Floyd. The next scene. The next scene is James Gandolfini's Virgil showing up to Brad Pitt and talking to Floyd. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is fucking fuck. scenes. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> Gandolfini's menacing as fuck outside the door. He's looking around, checking yep. out the whole house. Who's in here? Is this fucking guy alone? And Brad Pitt is so convincing as a stoner. Yeah, man, I know you. I remember that. <laughs> yes. He's so out of it. His eyes are fucked. His hair's all long. He's got a Brad Pitt-shaped dent in the fucking pillows of the couch. Oh, my God. It's it's amazing. And Gandolfini's just like, hey, how are you? It's just he's, like, so kind of laid back and cool, but he's got, like, this menacing He's kind of got this slightly menacing vibe to him, but Floyd's so goddamn stoned that he doesn't pick up on it. But you, in <laughs> yep. the audience, you pick up on it, and you're like, oh, fuck, ah, this, this guy, I don't I don't trust this guy. And then Floyd's just like, oh, hey, how's it going? Like, it's awesome. It's really good. <laughs> and this is the scene where when Gandolfini's like, all right, you take care, I'll see you later. And he leaves, he's all smiling, <laughs> and that's when Brad Pitt gives the line. All right, you take care, I might be back. Yeah, man. Okay, be cool. Condescend me, man. Fucking kill you, man. Fucking kill you. Yeah. <laughs> he's trying to be tough and he couldn't lift his fucking right leg if yeah. you paid him a thousand dollars. Yeah, he's. <laughs> he's fucking loose as a goose. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Gandolfini here figures out where Clarence and Alabama are. Yeah. So Clarence drops Bama off. Bama. I'm talking like Mr. White. <laughs> yeah. Drops Alabama off and takes off to do what he's doing. Man. And this is where we get a fucking hard scene to watch because the, Alabama shows up and fucking Virgil's there. This fucking scene is fucking incredible. Like, it's, yeah. The way that it is done, Gandolfini's a goddamn fucking sadist. Right. He's an absolute sadist. And, you know, there are points throughout here where he fucking actually enjoys hurting people. He's not just there to. He 100 percent enjoys it. He totally enjoys it. And that's what makes him so goddamn creepy in this film is he enjoys it because, you know, he has dialogue a little bit later on. But I just want to talk about the acting in this scene 
because he's yeah. sitting there, Gandolfini's sitting there, and he's grinning because he's excited that he's going to – With gonna, a shotgun. Like, yeah, he's holding a shotgun. He's going to straight kick the shit out of her, and he's going to love it. Like, he's going to love torturing yep. this young girl. She comes in. She fucking knows that she's in a shit ton of trouble, but she plays it off so well. Like, she is not – she's not dumb. She knows what's fucking happening. And she's just no. acting like nothing's wrong, which is fucking She's acting incredible. like he's there to fix the television. Yeah, and we'll talk about it. But then, then when he walks over and takes her glasses off, you see that yeah. underneath her glasses, when you see her eyes, she is fucking terrified. And Yeah, which is why she left them on, and he, which is why he took them off. Which is so fucking good. Right? But anyway, I just wanted to kind of get that little bit out of how he's enjoying that he's going to beat her ass. She's playing it like... There's nothing wrong. He takes her glasses off, and you can see that she is scared for her life, which yeah. I just the, – the actors in this film are so goddamn good. Oh, it's, the two of them in this scene are insanely good. And when he says – you know, he takes the glasses off, and then he says, hey, do me a favor, turn around. Like he wants to oh, see her yeah, outfit. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she goes to turn. He says, no, no, go the other way. Go the other way. And he makes her turn the other way so that his fucking punch comes unseen. yeah. And he smashes her right in the fucking face. Oh, yeah. But she's on the floor. And I, I like this because it doesn't shy away from the violence. Like, when he punches her, she is instantly fucked up. Oh, well, she's out of... She fucking vanishes from the frame. It's like he fucking had a goddamn <laughs> yeah. Star Trek transporter ring on his fucking hand and sent her to the fucking, I don't know, moon or whatever. But, like, her face explodes with blood. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like she's, it's not like, you know, Mark DeCascos and only the strong when that guy hits him with that fucking Bambata club and he's fine. Oh, not yeah, a Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> like, he punches her in the face with his fucking hand and her nose explodes. Yeah. Right? And she's like, what fucking really would happen if a guy of Gandolfini's size punched a woman of Patricia Arquette's size yeah. in the fucking face? Yeah. Right? Like, her face explodes. And then he picks her up and he's like, come on, you're tougher than that or, you know, you're not that... Hurt or whatever, and then he punches her in the guts. Oh yeah, and then they yeah. quick cut to Clarence, and then he, you get that when they come back, she just fucking flies into a wall. Oh yeah, he's he's like, fucking he's fucking her up. Yeah, and honestly, like I mean, you know, it's violent. I mean, these people are fucking criminals. They're 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 showing like just how evil they are, and oh, you know, Gandolfini's just straight kicking the shit out of her. But I mean, they're fucking drug dealers. That that's the kind of behavior that I would expect from these gentlemen. Well, Walking already what, shot Clarence's yeah. fucking dad in the head. So yeah, it's fucking. I. It's a great scene because Gandolfini's just really enjoying himself, smacking her around, and we later get the little speech too. And well, and she's giving him what he wants, which yeah. is nothing. Right? Like, he throws her into the wall, he picks her up by the fucking hair, yeah. and holds her up against that wall, and then basically says, you know, you're going to tell me where the fucking coke yeah. is. And when she doesn't talk, and there's like three seconds of silence, all of a sudden, boom! Like a right hook to yeah. her face. Or like when he's holding, and she gives him the, flips him the bird, right? After he straight kicked yeah. the shit out well, of him. where's the coke? And she smiles and, and flips then he him the bird. Smiles. And that's that Dennis Hopper give yeah. me a cigarette moment. And then moment. he smiles. He's just kind of like, the same oh, scene, really. Yeah, 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 it is. Because, you know, he's smiling because he fucking enjoys, 
you know, laying the major Benson Winifred Payne on her. Yep. So he fucking hauls off and cracks her again. Yeah. Oh, and drops her. Like drops her out of frame with she the left. Is a, she's a fucking champ in this. Like she's not giving up anything, despite the fact that the drugs are literally under the bed, which is hilarious. Yes. Because yeah, they're four feet. She's from She's on the ground and. He does. He does the whole speech like you know. The first time you kill somebody, you can't believe it. It's hard. It's difficult. You throw up. He's the second time. It's it's a little bit better, but it's pretty much the same thing. And then when he says that line, now I just do it to see the expression on their face change. Yeah, like you're just like holy fuck. Yeah, you kill people to see the expression on their face change. Yeah, this guy is cold. That's fucked up. And then uh, yeah, that is really fucked up. And uh, then he's like. I don't fucking believe it. Did you put it under the bed? Uh, <laughs> I can't believe it. You put it under the fucking bed? I didn't look under the fucking bed. You hide it under the fucking bed. And he's <laughs> right. like, oh jeez, I. And this is when he's walking over. He's like, I must be getting old. Like, that was so funny. <laughs> and she's lying on the floor, completely fucked up. Oh yeah, there's like fucking sweet and low packets on the floor, and it's crazy. All that shit. Yeah, we get a we do get a quick little cut scene here to Clarence at the burger stand where he starts talking to that burger stand customer about the Elvis article. Yeah, yeah. And the guy that he's talking to is an actor named Gregory Sporletter, who's a, a, another actor and filmmaker. Motherfucker was in Black Hawk Down and The Rock and Renaissance Man and like fucking True yeah. Blood. Like he's been in a ton of shit. He's in like eight seconds yeah. of the movie. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, this, movie this movie is movie, like dude. a fucking treasure trove of uh, great actors. In fucking scene. Yeah. But anyway, they back to the, the scene here at hand. And yes, the, the drugs are under the bed. And when she sees that Swiss army knife corkscrew. Yeah. And she rolls over and he picks the, you know, he looks at the, he's, like, he's mumbling to himself that Fred Flintstone, like, I can't believe the fucking drugs under the bed, Jesus Christ. Yeah, Soup fucking, fucking bitch, God Jesus damn it, fucking, must be getting, must be old, getting fucking old like an asshole, what a fucking <laughs> yeah. drug. Like, he's mumbling away to himself here. I got a fucking lawyer up, Jesus Christ, what the fuck. And she's there on the floor, but now, she, again, like you said before, and like Hopper did prior, she's already made her decision. Yep. Like, this is my spot, fuck you. Yep. And he, Gandolfini stands up and pulls up the gun, and she holds up the corkscrew. You know what I mean? Like, it's it, it's somebody holding a fucking stick to somebody with a bazooka. Well, and it's kind of like that, it's not exactly, but, I mean, that shot in Reservoir Dogs with yes. the gun pointed up and the gun pointed down. Yes. Like, he's pointing the gun down, and she's holding up a fucking corkscrew, which is crazy. And then he's like, you know, stab me in the chest. I'll give you give one you fucking one shot, shot, baby. I'll give you one fucking and shot. And she boom! drives it into his foot. Right into his fucking foot. But then he picks her up by the throat and throws her into the wall. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, the stunt work in this is really good. I know this isn't a martial arts film. No. But the stunts that they did in here, they look real. Because he throws her there, and then two seconds later, he throws her through the fucking shower glass. I was going to say, she smashes Um, his head with the fucking Elvis statuette. With the Elvis. Yeah, 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 that's right. But then, yeah, he, like, that doesn't even really phase him. He smiles at her. Yeah. And he's like, all right. No more fucking Mr. Nice Guy. Takes his jacket off. And, of course, we're getting the Clarence is coming closer and closer to home here. But he throws her right through the fucking glass shower door. Yeah. And now she's all cut to shit. Yes. 
and the fucking water's on and he's going psycho. He's like, aha, baby, what's up now? Like he's bleeding. They're bleeding. Fucking blood's everywhere. Water's yeah, flying. blood everywhere. Holy fuck, dude. And she's like yeah. laughing at him. Yeah. And he picks her up by the fucking hair, but then she rubs the fucking shampoo in his eyes. Yeah. To get him off. And he's like, ah! And when he falls away, she picks the back of the fucking toilet up and fucking brains him. Dude, that... Talk to me about that, because... Do you know how much that would fucking that looked, kill you? That looked like a legit ceramic toilet tank. <laughs> right? Like, it didn't look like a prop... Like, like I watched it a couple of times. Yeah. It doesn't look like a prop tank. It looks like... it's. It looks like they gave her a real tank <laughs> and said, hit him with it, but just not as hard as you can. Yeah. Like, it looks like... It's fucking good, man. It's incredibly it's good. good. It's very much like that scene in Zombieland where Jesse Eisenberg, whatever, I forget his name in the movie, New Hampshire, Alabama, or whatever the fuck, kills the girl across the hall. Remember? And he smashes her in the face with the back of the toilet lid. Yeah. Very much like that, but it's so quick that he's down and she picks it up, swipes all the shit off the back, and boom! And just compression fractures his fucking occipital bone mm. but then he's immediately back up with the gun but then she fucking takes the hairspray and the lighter whoosh and lights his fucking face on fire yeah dude who does it's that great jesus christ and then out he goes you know freaking out and as he goes down and suffocates his face she jumps on his back and stabs him in the spine with the fucking corkscrew yeah and then shoots him with the shotgun, she flips him over and boom, boom, boom. She's just unloading this fucking shotgun into his chest. Primal screams yep. into the fucking air, rah, holding the shotgun. Fucking crazy. And then she beats him with the gun. Oh, yeah. It's out of control. It's so good because Patricia Arquette in this scene portrays that animalistic, I'm going to survive, fuck you attitude. Like, she's still beating on his dead chest when Clarence comes in, and when he comes in, she attacks him. Oh, yeah? Well, fuck. Before she realizes what's going on. Yeah. It's fucking... It's intense as fuck, dude. I mean, look, let's just actually call it what it is. It is a fight scene. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. It is a fight scene. It happens to be with a big man and a small woman, and it happens to be really fucking realistic so when you said earlier like oh this is hard to watch like listen i watch men fight women and women fight men and all that fucking shit all the time charlie's angels and all this what they do in this film is they make it fucking look like a real fucking beating (laughs) like yeah like it just looks like oh Hey, did you guys see that documentary where James Gandolfini <laughs> punched the living shit out of Patricia Arquette? Yeah, it's called uh, Hotel Safari Face Fuck Fight. It's, it's fucking horrible to watch, but it's a real documentary. Like, it actually looks really good. So that's one of the things that I that I really like about this is it's it's a fucking legit fight scene between two people that looks exceptionally real. Yeah. And uh, when they peel off... You got Clarence driving the car. Alabama is all fucked up, and they're shooting through the windshield. And it's a really nice shot, which, again, is mirrored at the end of the film. It's almost the exact same shot. We'll talk about as we get there. Yes. But yeah, really, really great scene. Like, Gandolfini, Arquette, scene. they fucking blew it out of the water. Yeah. It was amazing. Unfucking believable Just by way of a note here, Tom Sizemore was initially recommended for the role of Virgil. Who's also obviously... Which he would have done a great job. Yeah. Yeah. He would have been just as good. He would have been. I think 
I think Gandolfini is more physically intimidating. I think Sizemore would be more crazy. Yeah. Right? Like, Sizemore's got, he's got the fucking crazy down pat. But Gandolfini's got that crazy psycho well, look in his eyes. And he's fucking gigantic. Gandolfini has that evil fucking smile. Yes. Like, yeah. there are moments where, where she's like, he's like, tell me where the cocaine is or I'm going to punch the ever-loving fuck out of your face. And she's like, no. And he just kind of smiles like, yeah, good. I was hoping you would say that. Yeah. Like, he's got that sadistic yeah. fucking look to him. That's where what I wanted you to say. I Yeah. I think that uh, Sizemore would have done a fucking fantastic job, too. But um, he's better as the cop dude. You know, it, yeah, he would have been a little. Yeah, he's great as the he's, fucking. He's cop. better as Nicholson. Like Nicholson's we'll get, fucking awesome. We'll get we'll get to the scene where the two of them are laughing their ass off in when Clarence is in the elevator, which I thought was great. Oh my god, that's so fucking good. Yeah, we'll get to that. So yeah, Clarence dr- Clarence drags Alabama out here. She's fucked up, and they just tear ass down the road here, and Clarence is fucking pissed because obviously Alabama almost got fucking murdered. Yeah, well, he was getting big kahuna burgers. Right? So now we get a scene that's great. One of your favorite scenes with Elliot getting a blowjob oh, driving his Porsche yeah. high as fuck and getting pulled over by the cops. Yeah. Which is fantastic because he's playing the role. You know, the cops are there. He's, fuck! Yeah. And he pulls the girl off his dick. And when they get pulled over by the cop here, uh, you know what? You tell this because I know you love this scene. This scene's fucking great. <laughs> Well, it's just when the two of them are in the car and the cop is slowly approaching, right? And then he's arguing with her. He's got the test bag, whatever they call it. What do, what do they want? Like a spec bag, test bag, whatever Coke that they want, that uncut cocaine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, whatever whatever that's called. Bring me a test bag or whatever. Yeah. So he's got that. <laughs> and he's saying to the hooker, he's like, put it in your purse, put it in your purse. And she's like, I'm not putting it in my purse. The hooker does not give a fuck that the cops walking not up one she does fuck. not give nope. a shit elliot is freaking out and the closer and closer the cop gets he's like put it in the put it in your purse and he's like you fucking the bitch purse, you fucking whore <laughs> yeah you fucking whore and she swats the coke <laughs> away like he gets baptized in coke just as the cop approaches after all i did for you you fucking whore who the fuck do you think you're <laughs> But I loved when the hooker fucking smacked it and it fucking exploded and covered him. So his face was totally white, like like moment shots. The hooker starts fucking laughing and it actually it actually seems like a real authentic laugh. Like it's really, really funny. She's like great. I fucking laugh. And then Bronson Pinchot just kind of looks up at the cop and he's just like Hi. Like, it's so funny because he's just like, hi. Dusted in coke like a great. fucking pastry. Yeah, just covered in coke because he was eating a fucking Vachon puff of fruit or something. <laughs> but of course he gets arrested and taken to the police station. And then we get our first scene with Nikki Dimes and Cody Nicholson, who are Chris Penn and Tom yeah. Sizemore, who are great. Again, Dude, everybody in this could, movie's fucking you, awesome. You could take any character... Okay, so let's just say that, let's just say Alabama and Clarence, like, let's just say in this universe, okay, they didn't go kill Drexel. Right. Right? Like, they could live with it and they they went off. You could actually come to L.A. and you could do a fucking full movie of Michael Rapaport and Brad Pitt, the struggling actor and the stoner. That's a fucking show. A hundred percent. Just those two. Or you could do 
Chris Penn, and Tom Sizemore. I would fucking watch that movie, too. Oh, my right? God. All or, day. <laughs> or Bronson Pinchot and... And Leo and Lee Donowitz. Len, Lee Donowitz. Bronson Pinchot and Lee Donowitz. Lee Donowitz being the big, big fucking guy and Bronson Pinchot being the fucking pussy guy that just wants to live the fucking life. Yep. Like, or... Christopher Walken and James Gandolfini <laughs> going around fucking people up, or I'd actually just watch Dennis Hopper working the tracks, like just <laughs> yep. doing security with fucking Rottweilers. <laughs> Dennis Hopper and his Rottweilers. You know he's fucking eating, opening up a can of beans. But every single character who is in this film could be the lead in something else, and I think that's what is so well done in this movie. Yeah, I would watch people just coming in and out of floyd's life floyd's life yeah the camera is basically just the couch and <laughs> right people are just people are just kind of coming in and out and i got an Floyd amazon is having delivery, interactions with amazon them. delivery here for dick ritchie oh uh, yeah man just yeah. uh yeah you know, come on in hey have you eaten yet i got pizza bro come yeah. on man <laughs> i'd watch that all fucking day dude <laughs> yeah like that's that's when you know you've got excellent character development and excellent actors yeah. playing the roles because any one of these threads could be a film or a show in itself. So. Absolutely. So yeah, we get the scene there with Bronze and Pinchot in the in the room and Sizemore and Chris Penn as Nicholson and Dimes are shaking him down, trying to get information. And Sizemore's fucking great. Where <laughs> he's like, "You're gonna Sizemore. go to prison." You're going to spend fucking 10 years there, and when you get out, and you're back home, and you have a nice life, and your wife is there, you're going to be so fucking focused on her needs, because you're going to know what it's like to be a woman. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's fucking awesome, dude. He's so good. Yeah. Sizemore kills this. It's so good. (laughs) And Chris Penn's got that look like, you're going to tell us what you want. Like, (laughs) he's got that same look, like nice guy Eddie. Yeah. Where he's like, why don't you tell me what you really want? Like, that, yeah, that fucking exact yeah. same face. He's awesome. And they go into the stop pointing the gun at my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> fucking snake charmer. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, fucking doctor. His lines in that movie are so. F- I still say shit from that movie all the time. That oh nice God, guy Eddie yeah. says, like, I. Yeah. It's so. He's so fucking great. So anyway, yeah, they go into the captain's office and tell him, like, this fucking guy is a pansy ass and he gave up everything yeah. to not do jail. Yeah. Holy fuck. Listen to this shit. <laughs> and, of course, we cut now back to the apartment and we get Floyd's second last scene here where Dick Ritchie and Floyd are there and Clarence and Alabama are there. And Clarence and Alabama and Dick Ritchie are about to leave to go take this coke. But Dick gets the call saying he got the part on T.J. Oh, Hooker. Fuck, yeah, yeah, which was so funny. There's such good little moments here where Floyd answers the phone as they're leaving. He's like, hey, Dick, man, it's for you, it's somebody. And as he's talking to him, Dick just kind of rips the phone away from him, but the camera stays on Floyd, and he goes, yeah. fuck, man. Like, <laughs> just, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. just this little look that Brad Pitt gives, it's so fucking good. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. And the best thing is Dick... Dick is the only person that gets good news in this, really, because he's yeah. just like, hey, I got a role on TJ Hooker. Little does the man know that he is about to have thousands of fucking bullets fly <laughs> over his head. Like He's actually one of the very few people that gets out of this alive. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just the three of them. 
I think all three of them get out. I think everybody else. Well, actually, you know, goes in this movie, all four of them up. live, right? Like, there's an all. Well, I was just saying, Clarence, Alabama. Oh, so yeah, because uh, Floyd obviously Dick. Floyd obviously lives here, and Floyd doesn't go, right? Floyd so. doesn't go, but yeah, the three of them live. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, he gets it, and you can tell here at the end. Like again, this is an early shot with Rappaport, like an early movie, and when they're about to, he gets his good news about the T.J. Hooker thing. He's like, yeah, everybody's like, oh, dude, that's awesome, good job. Okay, you ready to go? And Clarence kind of goes to leave, and you can tell that Dick is like, hey, Clarence, and he doesn't want to go now. Yeah. And Clarence is like, what's up, man? What's up? And fucking Dick doesn't want to go, but he also doesn't want to let his friend down. And yeah. that two-second pause there when he, they're staring at each other and the friendship thing wins out. And he's like, nothing. All good. Yep. It's, it's, you yep. can feel that, fuck, I don't want to do this. Yep. But as they're leaving, hundred percent. As they're leaving again, you get Floyd going. Hey, uh, get some beer, some yeah, cleaning products. Cleaning products. <laughs> it's funny too because like when when he's reaching in the fridge and taking one of Dick's beers, yeah. Dick goes, "Hey Floyd, why don't you get your own? Why don't you go out and buy your own beer?" And he goes, "Yeah, okay." And then just opens the beer anyway and starts drinking it. And then when they're leaving, he's just like, "Hey." Get some beer and some <laughs> cleaning, cleaning products. products. That line was an ad lib from Brad Pitt, too. Oh, well. That wasn't in the script. He killed it. He fucking crushed it. He's so good. Listen, I remember seeing Pitt in, what was the first thing I saw him in? Maybe California? Or it might have been Thelma and Louise. I can't remember. But I remember seeing him become like, oh my God, look at how fucking hot this guy is. Like, he's the best looking guy in the world, yeah. people sexiest, blah, 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 blah. And he could get by on doing those kind of roles forever. Just being yeah. the pretty boy, right? Doing romantic comedies. Yeah. But he fucking doesn't. He takes roles like California. Yeah. Where he's that, like that snorty fucking spitting hillbilly yeah, psychopath, right? Yeah. Early, yeah. He takes roles well, he did. like he turned down Apollo 13, the, the Tom Hanks role, to do fucking seven well, Seven was the fucking shit. Seven's one of the fucking greatest movies ever. It's so good. And he yeah. doesn't look good in it. He looks like a shitbag. Yeah. I mean, he does the occasional, like, meet Joe Black. But of course you do. You fucking have to. Or like Ocean's Eleven, right? Where you wear suits and look fucking all hot and whatever. Yeah. I'll fucking give yeah. you that. But he's really good in those. Yeah, You know, he like, he's a legitimately good actor. Fucking Fight Club's tremendous. Oh, Fight Club was fucking incredible. Speaking of partial arts movies, there's another one. Yeah. Fucking Fight Club, dude. Holy shitballs. But yeah, he's... I fucking love Brad Pitt. He's the shit. So they leave, and now we get a shot, or a scene here, I should say, of the mobsters all gearing up with their millions of rounds of ammo and guns and shotguns and suitcases Oh yeah, to go and get their fucking coke back. Yep. Which is scary as fuck, because this is all going to oh, come yes. together. But next scene, we get Bronze and Pinchot here. We get Elliot and the cops, Sizemore and Chris Penn suiting him up with a wire to go into the meeting with Lee Donowitz and Clarence and everybody with the coke so that the cops can get what they need. And the the microphone is right down by Elliot's dick. Yeah. So he keeps fucking adjusting his balls and stuff and he keeps fucking with the microphone later. <laughs> yeah. It's actually good because when they show up to the hotel and and meet Elliot he does a good job. He's like a little bit disheveled. Yeah. And he's kind of like overplaying 
that everything's cool, but you can just read on his face. And the second they get in the elevator, there's a really cool like music change too. Yep. Clarence stops the elevator, pulls a gun on Elliot, yes. and just starts fucking interrogating him. Like, what the fuck is waiting for us upstairs? That seems Elliot? crazy. Like, it's fucking good. And credit to like obviously Christian Slater, like he's playing the cool guy, the tough guy. Yep. But credit to Bronson Pinchot because he is terrified. Credit to everybody, but yes. especially Pinchot. Pinchot. Pinchot's great. Like in the scene where they're getting him wired up there's a scene where a line where Sizemore goes okay Elliot give us something to give us a test and Bronson Pinchot as Elliot goes uh hi my name is Elliot Blitzer and I'm with the Boy Scouts of America and Sizemore bursts (laughs) the fuck out laughing that's because that was an ad lib from Bronson Pinchot that fucking cracked Sizemore up that's fucking great because while Sizemore's cracking up Back at the uh, back at the hotel with Chris Penn, they're listening into the conversation and they're like going, "He's gonna kill him." They're like, "He's not gonna kill him." They're like, "I fucking like this Clarence guy." Like, you know, that like, scene is fucking fantastic. That's great. Yeah, when they get in there and they're cutting back and forth between that tense scene with Clarence holding the gun against Elliot's head and Elliot's yeah. pissing his fucking pants, terrified. Yeah, and like you said, Christian Slater is legitimately menacing. Bronze and Pinchot is believably fucking terrified. Yeah. And like cowering. Like he he all of his machismo bullshit facade is gone. Yeah. He is fucking terrified. And you can see Chris Penn back in the room, like, he's gonna shoot him. He's like, gonna he's shoot gonna him. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't give a fuck. Like he yeah. doesn't care at all. <laughs> yeah. Does he's not like, give a fuck about Elliot. And then no, Sizemore's like, no, he's not going to shoot him. He's, getting, he's fucking testing him. He's testing him. Why would he him? He's testing him. And Sizemore's laughing. Yeah. Like, I fucking like this Clarence guy. He's fucking yeah. nuts. Like- <laughs> yeah. And Sizemore's like, don't fucking say nothing, Elliot. Don't fucking yeah. say anything, you, <laughs> you fuck. fucking pansy. You better not <laughs> you give that shit up, you motherfucker. It you, <laughs> it's ex- you little bitch. You better not <laughs> fucking give him anything. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's fantastic when Slater's finally like, Elliot, Elliot, I'm sorry. And fucking Sizemore's like, get a hold of yourself, you fucking sissy! Yeah. <laughs> fucking. Oh, yeah. Oh, and Elliot hugs, <laughs> Elliot hugs him, like, tight. Like, he oh hugs him, and he's like, I'm Thank sorry. You. And he's like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> and si- that's when Sizemore gives the, I fucking like this Clarence kid. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking like this Clarence kid. He's fucking crazy. <laughs> really, really good. This movie is just scene after scene after scene. Of gold. Of money. Just yeah. fucking money. Well, then the Italians show up in fucking Floyd's place. Brad Pitt's fucking house. Yeah, he's sitting there, and he's got like a like the fucking honey bear, like the bottles of honey shaped like a bear. He's using it as a bong, and all these guys yeah. come in, and he just starts laughing. He's just like, <laughs> like so. It's so good. That bong, that bong's name is Russell. Oh, really? Somebody named somebody named that bong. It was one. It was some bong that they got from some per- person on the crew, which they now apparently sell in like head shops and weed shops all over the place because it's because of this fucking movie oh my god that's awesome yeah so they sell this and pitt's there and he's high as fuck yeah he's a fucking barbecued and these mob guys show up and he brad pitt said in an interview when he was asked about this he was like i played this like these guys walk in and floyd is so fucking high that he thinks he's on a game show <laughs> and he has to get all these questions right <laughs> jesus <laughs> So the mob guys are asking him all these questions, and you can see it on Pitt's face. He's like, yes, I do. 
I know why you can find them. Yes, I do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> and it's like, well, where the fuck are they? Uh, they, they went out uh, the door, and and he's pointing like different directions and shit, and yeah. he's stalling. And he's like, they went, dude. It's so funny, and he's asking the mafia guys, "You guys want to smoke a bowl?" And like, <laughs> yeah, they wrecked the shotgun. Yeah. This scene is so fucking good, man. There's this is another one of those movies. Like I'm telling you, man, we're picking hundred percent or movies because this is another movie where if you start watching it anywhere, yes, you're finishing the fucking movie. Yeah, 100%. there's no there's no lag scene where you're like, I'm gonna go make some popcorn, and then you don't come back to it. Yeah. Fuck that. Every scene is just, it grabs you by the fucking lapels and holds you there. Yeah, it really does. You know? Speaking of that, this next scene where they walk in to Lee Donowitz's office here, and you got Clarence and Bama and and Dick, and the guy that, <laughs> the guy that searches Dick, apparently the actor was like, uh, Rappaport said, he, he gave him like a little too much frisking, and he's like, oh, hey, and you can see him like flinch a little bit in the frisk. <laughs> but... Clarence, shh, you no need to frisk me. I've got a gun right here. Like, I'm going to show you yeah. everything. And he's coming clean. It's pretty cool. Like, he kind of knows he's super calm. Yeah. Saul Rubinick as Lee Donowitz here is really fucking good. He is really good. He's really fucking good. He's apparently based on on a, a real person that Tony Scott worked with before. Um, I think he worked with him on The Last Boy Scout. Oh, shit. Yeah. Because Tony Scott directed The Last Boy Scout, right? Yep. We got to go do that and one too. Did not like, yeah. Tony Scott's done a fucking ton of Top Gun mm. and fucking Days of Thunder and last Man on Man on fucking Fire. Oh yes, with Denzel, dude. Man with grenade in asshole. Man with grenade in asshole. <laughs> that's a fucking great movie. But yeah, he's great in this. They come in, they have a little bit of small talk here. Christian talks movies with them a little bit, and they talk about you know he's got the gun, blah blah blah. But it ends up with them wanting to sort of play ball with each other because Lee likes Clarence. He thinks he's kind of a straight shooter. He likes the movie talk. Yep. And they seem to really hit it off. Both of these two, Clarence and Lee, are super fucking laid back. Everybody else is stressed to fuck. Yeah. Everybody else is, well, I shouldn't say that. Alabama doesn't give a fuck either. Well, Alabama's kind of wearing her shades and wearing her hoodie up because she got the fuck kicked out of her. So she's basically trying yeah. to hide that. So she's yeah, she's kind of, during this part of the scene, she's rather inconsequential because she's trying to be, you know, incognito. Yeah, she's literally holding her sweatshirt in front of her face. Yeah. With the Elvis shades on to not be seen. She looks like the fucking Unabomber. Yeah, you she know, does. Like, <laughs> the cute Unabomber. Very cute Unabomber, yeah. She's quite adorable, minus the bruises and swelling and fucking hematomas. Yeah. But everybody else is on edge and fucking pins and needles here. And they sort of cut the coke into lines here, and Donowitz does a line, and is like, holy fuck, that is some good shit right there. Yeah. Holy fuck balls. Let's, uh, let's do this, shall we? And, of course, Elliot is scratching his dick and fucks up the microphone. Yeah. Because he's an asshole. <laughs> but finally... The cops are upstairs like, you fucking shithead, Jesus Christ, I'm not hearing anything. And anyway, the cops eventually get what they need after the little atrium scene with Clarence and Lee Donowitz here. But they go back inside, the cops get what they need, and I think the cops, yes, the cops break in first, but not until they decide to make the deal. Clarence goes to the bathroom where we get our final Val Kilmer Elvis scene. 
Yeah, I actually liked like so everything that kind of took us through here. I actually liked the conversation that Clarence has, and it's kind of almost like if this is Tarantino writing himself yep. while he was a video store clerk. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, here's me, and I'm going to meet the most famous director in the world, and we're going to become instant best friends and hang out. You know, it's kind of like a, yep. a little bit of a of a wish fulfillment type, you know, scenario yep. where he finds himself in a scenario with, like, a big director, and, like, he's like, oh, man, I usually don't like these people. They stress me out, but I'm just totally comfortable with you, Clarence. Like, it's pretty cool. <laughs> like, it's, it's... It is cool. It is kind of like a Tarantino fantasy. But uh, oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. The cops are getting ready to fucking raid it. Meanwhile, the fucking mob is coming through the downstairs. It's just it's, you, you're watching it. And you're just like, oh my god, this is a perfect storm for fucking bad shit to go down. Yeah, this is one of the. I guess the Reservoir Dogs would be the first kind of Mexican standoff Tarantino scene. But yeah. this is everybody. Yeah, like, this is not three guys. This is three groups of people. Yeah, right. You've got. Uh, Lee Donowitz's guys, you've got the whole cops, and then all the fucking mobsters bust in. All the guys are yelling at each other, everybody's screaming, shut the fuck up and put your guns down, holy shit, what the fuck, blah blah blah. All this yelling, all the people in the middle, Dick and Alabama are just in the middle like, holy Jesus Christ, what the fuck is happening? The mobsters come in behind, Rappaport is fucking great here, like, and he said, like, I'm the only guy here really other than Alabama without a gun. Yeah. And he said, I'm laying on the floor. It's not hard to act terrified when gunfire's going off all over your fucking head. Yeah. Like, it's pretty fucking easy to act terrified. <laughs> it was funny because one of the fucking gangsters that comes in, he did, it's not the same actor, but he looks like Rusty from Out for Justice. Like He does, the yes. Guy I noticed that guy, yeah. Back there, yeah, yeah. Which is fucking hilarious. You cocksucker, you better put your fucking gun down. Yeah. I'm going to kick the shit out of you, you motherfucker. I- <laughs> but it's so funny, like, when the cops have got their guns drawn, the fucking mobsters, and, and they're fucking brazen, right? Because the cops are like, put your guns down. The mobsters like, you put your fucking guns down. Yeah, like, fuck you. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. You know, Clarence is still in the bathroom talking to Elvis, which is crazy. Yep. And then, of course, Elliot is just, like, starts talking to Chris Penn like a fucking idiot. I, I like here when Elliot puts his hands up in the middle of all the yelling and is like, um, Officer Dimes, uh, Officer Dimes, I'm just going to leave and you guys settle yourself. And Lee Donowitz is like, how the fuck do you know his name? And how does what he know yours? in the fuck is happening? How does he know yeah. yours? You motherfucker. And, and he just unloads on Elliot. Yeah, he's like, I treated you like a son, and then you picks up motherfucker. Picks up the fucking uh, teapot or whatever. And Take it out and throws, stab me in the heart. Yeah, throws the fucking hot tea, which starts Once, the whole fucking shootout. Yep, everybody gets squibbed to death here. The squibs look fucking great. Yeah, in this scene when people get shot, it's just pop, 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 pop. Like the squibs just go off in their chest. Elliot gets shot to death. Lee Donowitz is the first one to get shot. He just oh fuck all yeah! He did was throw a hot pot of tea, and he's like fucking. Oh yeah, Nick Sizemore shoots the fuck out of him. Sizemore gets shot. The mobsters get shot. Fucking everybody gets shot. Yeah, Elliot shot, and there is a ridiculous amount of feathers flying, which looked those really pillows good. were stuffed yeah, with feathers. Yeah, those pillows were like fucking super stuffed, but they actually they they actually look really really good as they're fucking. It looks awesome flying around the room. They just add a certain 
texture and depth to everything. I thought it was great. And then, of course, it's Clarence very walks in. He John Woo. Yeah, very John Woo. Clarence takes a shot to the eye. I like that Dick Ritchie throws the, the bag of Coke up in the air and then oh, just yeah, runs yeah. out of the fucking hotel room. See you later. Yeah. Fucking peace out. He's yeah. gone. Yeah. Yeah, he Alabama fucking just, goes over. He just throws. He doesn't give a shit. He just wants to get out of there. Like he doesn't. Oh, give I a would shit. too. Fuck he's that. He's gonna noise. be on See TJ later. Hooker next week, man. You're fucking right. He is. So yeah, there. The Chris Penn here is is trying to get the last mobster out, along with Michael Beach, another great actor. The, oh the, my the, god, yeah, the cop there. Michael Beach is fucking fantastic. He plays Wurlitzer here. They're waiting for this last mobster to come up. The last mobster pops up. Boom! Shoots Michael Beach in the stomach. And then yeah. he gets capped to like a motherfucker. Pop, 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 pop. Yeah. Michael Beach comes over, sits on the couch. It's like, fuck, the guy fucking shot me. Shit. I love, well, when he sits on the couch, man, and all those fucking feathers go flying, I thought it was actually, like, this whole thing is shot really, really well, man. It's like, it's beautiful. really good. Tony Scott's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, the direction here is great. The The cops here are in the, uh, uh, in the lobby. There's a hostage there. Chris Penn sees that last... Uh, Big mobster there. I forget what the guy's name is, but uh, I think it's Boris. Is that right? I think yeah, he Boris. was one of Lee Donowitz's guys. The guy that says he doesn't like cops and shit. Like, and then he's just like, "Yeah, get me an ambulance." Chris is like, "Fuck Call you, you, fucking hearse. Fuck you." Call you fucking hearse. shoots him. Shoots him right in the head. Alabama then shoots Chris Penn. It's like okay, yep. All witnesses except for Michael Rapaport are, are now dead. Dead. And Alabama thinks that Clarence is dead here. Yeah, or at least knows that he's hurt. She's fucked up, so she needs to try and get him out of here. In the original script, Clarence dies. Really? In Tar- in Tarantino's original script, Terrence dies, and he really wanted Clarence to die in this movie. But Tony Scott really fought to keep Clarence alive, and they had a, apparently they had a fairly good back and forth about that because Car- Tarantino felt pretty strongly in his script, like, no man, Clarence needs to fucking die in this to make it work, and. You know, he was kind of like telling Tony Scott, like, don't make him live because of bullshit Hollywood pressure story test audience horse shit. Right. And Tony Scott was like, that's not why I'm doing it. I'm not doing it like that. I'm keeping him alive. I'm keeping both of them alive because I fucking love these guys now. Yeah. Like, by the end of this movie, I really love these guys and I'm rooting for them. Yeah. And it kind of turns the whole story, the whole movie itself it has this kind of fairy tale Yo, feel it really to does. it. Yeah, it really does. Right? And that's why he kept Clarence alive here. Oh, and they literally really cool. just walk out the fucking front door. Well, that's not surprising, considering there's like a gun fight a goddamn going on. Like, fucking OK know. Corral on the third floor. Yeah, yeah. They're more concerned about that. You know, Like, seriously, if you fucking let like two more than two birds into a hotel lobby, everyone's looking at those two birds. So you yes. could, yeah. could fucking <laughs> walk around. You could take your pants off and windmill your dick and walk through the lobby <laughs> if there's more than two birds and no one's going to see it. So, you know, like... The fact that they walk yeah. out in the middle of a shootout and nobody fucking notices is totally fine with me. Yeah. Tarantino's idea for the whole Tarantino universe was that Clarence dies, Alabama leaves, and then hooks up with Mr. White. Oh, really? Which is which is where the flashback from Reservoir Dogs comes from of, where's Alabama? Oh, Bama. I haven't seen her in a long time. She's a good little thief, though. That whole yeah. talk, this is, that is Alabama. That's who he's talking about, obviously. Oh, very cool. So, yeah, kind of neat. So anyway, they wrap up here with Alabama 
and Clarence on the beach with his eye patch, and that's actually Patricia Arquette's son with oh, them okay. on the beach there. Yeah, they used her kid there for the extra the extra child playing on the beach. So, and then the nice little outro monologue as we came into the movie with her her yeah. voiceover. We leave we leave with yeah. the voiceover. So it's a really nice circle wrap around here. Well, yeah, and then just before this scene where she's fucking off and driving with Clarence, she's driving the car, Clarence is all beat to fuck, and she's wearing the Elvis shades, right? So, yes. you know, you just kind of, that, that shot just kind of goes full circle, where they both helped each other through some pretty nasty shit, and now exactly. here they are together with a kid named Elvis. Yep, pretty goddamn great. That is the end, because we now get to the sunset and the credits, and that's out. Yeah, and great music. Fucking true romance. Goddamn great music, great scenes, great acting. Fucking great movie. Tony Scott, fucking Patricia Arquette, asked Tony Scott to slap her in the fucking face before certain scenes in this movie. Yeah. Did you hear that? Yeah. To get her, like, psyched up in, in in the frame of mind to do a couple of these scenes. Yeah. And she did it enough that near the end of the movie, she would just before a scene would ask Tony Scott for quote unquote the persuader Jesus and he would just hit her in the fucking face <laughs> like that's fucking mental that's, that's crazy that's a bit mental just but hey s- slap her in the fucking face but I mean it would put her in the frame of mind to do th- I mean if uh, imagine you have to do an intense scene like the one she did with Gandolfini yeah you need to be in a certain headspace for that well yeah right like that's not a scene you can just kind of walk into and do cold so she would just, hey, man, hit me with the persuader. Bap! Okay. Fucking roll camera. Jesus. And off they'd go. Yeah, there's a couple of, a couple of cool little things. Drexel, Drexel was supposed to be in the movie Pulp Fiction as well. Oh, really? Yeah, he was, he was a character that was supposedly written into Pulp Fiction, but was ended up being cut out over time for, you know, I mean, Pulp Fiction's pretty much perfect as it is, right? There's, you can't really add anything else Jesus. in there. But... Anyway, and lastly, the last little factoid that I want to throw in is that Alabama was named uh, by Tarantino. He was actually named after the character Alabama, played by Pam Greer, in, in a movie that he liked called Women in Cages. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so that was an old Pam Greer character, and he named Alabama that, sort of as an homage to Pam Greer, who obviously shows up later in Jackie Brown. Yeah, well, and is mentioned in uh, Reservoir Dogs. You're under Fuck arrest, yes, sugar. So that's right. <laughs> oh man, this is a fucking fantastic movie. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, thanks, Mike. That was fucking really fucking good rewatch. I really fucking enjoyed this. So I did as well. Super fucking cool ass movie. Yeah, I'm excited. I don't really know what we're doing next for partial arts. We'll figure that out over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, but uh, fuck, man, this was really fun. We have uh, coming out tonight. Once I'm finished with this one, we'll. Uh, get this saved and then wheels on meals jackie chan samuel hung that's coming out tonight for tomorrow morning nice and then this one well you're going to get this on probably if you're hearing this it'll be about thursday i would say all right wicked all right so that's the shit and we'll see you patrons you awesome awesome patrons in two weeks for another partial arts extravaganza and that tv over there since you've been in the room is a woman with her breasts is hanging out you didn't even bother to look you just been clacking me. I know I'm pretty. But I ain't as pretty as a couple of titties.